Blog Talk Radio. Hello and happy Sunday. This is Seeds of Change and I'm your host, Danielle St. John. So other than the good news report today, um, we're going to be talking a lot about um, the Putin interview uh, and what's surrounding it and, um, you know, what both sides are, are saying about it. Um, looks like mom is with us. Hi. Hello. Happy, Happy Sunday. Sunday. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, or something <clears throat> like that. There's some kind of sporting event going on. I sports a big sports sports ball event. Yes, happening somewhere on the planet. Yes, I I know. Um anyway, but so I I'm saying Happy Super Bowl Sunday because I of course am a rabid football fan. Um and I want the Chiefs to get their asses kicked by the San Francisco 49ers. So, oh, it's, it's all it's all a um it's all a, a play though. So, they already figured out it's who's going to so win. You think it's a big show? Yeah. I think it's a big it is. show all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we also have um a, a good friend, um Facebook friend, Bobby is listening in. Bobby, if you want to be a part of the show, just press 1 and we can let you in um into the studio. Um if not, you just want to listen, that's fine too. Oh, there he is. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Welcome to Seeds of Change. I got bad news, though. Oh, okay. What's that? I didn't watch the Putin interview, and I probably won't watch the Super Bowl either. Uh, You didn't watch the Putin interview? No. I was at work. Okay. Yeah. I didn't watch it live, but I I watched parts of it. So so here's the thing that's, that's really lacking in modern American politics. And believe me, I admire you so for running Green Party. But anyway, all this, <laughs> this side's bad, that side's bad, this side's, you know what people really want to hear? Why what? is my rent so high? Why is my gas so high? How come I got to pay this much for food? Mm-hmm. That's like real talk. Come to think Absolutely. of it, that's what Otto, Otto von Bismarck did that shortly before the country now known as Germany was formed in like around 1880. It was, you could either be subjects of Napoleon III, or you can all stop squabbling and we work together. That's your choice. <laughs> Real talk. Yeah. Totally. I can tell you. I can tell you why your rents are so high. Speculation. It, it, it. The here's what happened. As soon as we shut down for COVID, uh, they passed uh, mandates. We grew to hate that word, didn't we? Uh, against mm-hmm. um, owners, uh, property owners, that said that they could, they could no longer charge rent or sue for rent or get rent from from their um, tenants. And of, of course, you kind of understood the reasoning. They told us all we had to stay home and that we couldn't work. So therefore, how the heck are we going to pay our rent? But certainly, you didn't expect the property owners to eat that massive loss mandated by the governor government and so here in california rents have quadrupled and that's so they're they're recollecting their their losses the Mm -hmm. the landlords that were forced into um complying with that government mandate as far as the price of food same same process that that occurred we shut down the strongest most, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, vibrant, valiant, 
uh, economy in the entire planet in the history of um, the world. We have a we have a uh, a really strong normally a really strong economy, and and they they deliberately deliberately uh, ruined it. Hmm. That's my take. That's my totally. Take. Um, and actually, in, in my um, in my row here um, of apartments, there's one vacant, and we just looked up the price of it. Apartment for thirty three hundred dollars a month. Hmm. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. When I moved in, when we moved into this complex in two thousand eighteen, um, we paid eighteen forty in rent, and for a two bedroom, and now they're going for thirty three hundred. And I just, I mean, it's insane. That's insane. It's not possible. It's not possible for people to. Um, to pay that kind of rent. It's just not. Right, right. Um, Kate is with us. I'm going to let her in. Hello. Hi. Hello, hello. Um, how, is, how is my audio um, quality? I, I, uh, I, I'm upstairs today, not downstairs, plugged into the, um, to the Internet, so I'm relying on Wi-Fi. Sounds good. really Thanks. good, Danielle. Great. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Um, I was getting sick of the hecklebirds, and my children are making dinner tonight. Well, they're making breakfast tonight, but they're making it at dinner time. So um, I wanted to be away from the clatter and the hecklebirds. So, okay. Well, let's get right into eggs and toast. Yeah. We're having pancakes, bacon, and eggs. Mm, nice. That sounds I love excellent. eggs for dinner. Mm-hmm. I love eggs for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, mom isn't feeling her best today, so why don't we get started with the good news report now, um, and then uh, the Putin stuff after. Sounds good. I I look forward to it. I and um, I will once I do the good news report. I'm going to check out, but I'll I'll listen to uh, your guys's take on the Putin interview, which it, it definitely goes hand in hand with because um, I'm only doing the good news today. Okay. That's all I'm doing. I'm not doing any bad news. I'm not doing any. Uh, you should say, even though it's really bad news, that the way it could turn out is good news. <laughs> None yeah. of those little gymnastics that I normally no, try to. No, everything is stupid. No. no, I'm not doing it today. Okay. No. Um, simply because um, <clears throat> what what it would turn out to be is uh, the wins and losses in the uh, um, horrendous amount of cases that they have brought against my favorite president, which will I will touch on some of that uh, for the good news, because uh, Trump Trump did very well last week. Um, <clears throat> but it should they, these people just won't stop. They're just not going to stop. So so because, I, you know, I could take it all the way there. I'm just not going to do it. I am going to touch on a couple of the cases that I think are fantastic. Um, <clears throat> The very first one is the court date has been set for March 18th for Missouri v. Biden, which is a case that I'm really, really excited about. It is a free speech showdown. The Supreme Court is going to hear the case. Uh, the Gateway Pundit publisher, Jim Hoft, the guy, one of the um, news sites that I use a lot for the good news, is a lead plaintiff in the, in the case. And um, it is, we believe, 
uh, most conservatives believe is the most important free speech case in a generation. Mark your calendars, according to Senator, Senator Eric Schmidt, who, by the way, did get um, elected as a senator from Missouri while he was uh, bringing these cases, and I can understand why, because he is a warrior, and um, <clears throat> and he's been fighting for, uh, for all of us to be able to speak freely in the public square. So on January... I think 15th or 16th, um, myself and millions of accounts were taken down um, off of Twitter, which is, if you ask any, anyone, that's the battlefield. It's where people actually, well, at least we thought we could, were able to express their opinions freely um, and uh, to be able to you know, knock down straw men and do all the things. <coughs> <coughs> My account was taken down along with the President of the United States and uh, General Michael Flynn and millions of us. And um, the reasons that they cited mainly were because of January 6th, which, by the way, um, that narrative is falling apart you know, day by day, hour by hour. And that's, that's good news as far as I'm concerned. But what they really wanted to do was knock down people talking about COVID and about the vaccines, and about the lockdowns, and about masks, and if you mentioned any of those things, and or that the election was stolen, it's another thing they didn't want us to talk about, um, your account was taken down, and not just on Twitter, because it it went all the way across the spectrum, Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all of the big um, social media uh, platforms. And um, as soon as Elon Musk purchased Twitter, he started releasing um, information from within the company uh, as they made in real time as they made the decision to silence American citizens and their speech. And um, they brought this case um, for a reason, and it's because they definitely the government was working with at and pushing around and bullying when they couldn't get their way, um, these companies. Uh, it, Facebook, you know, made itself available to the, the FBI in a way that was out, it, 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 disgusting. Same thing with Twitter. Twitter pushed back a little bit, <laughs> but not much. Um, the And it's, the width and breadth of the censorship was is is mind bending. The suit alleges a massive coordinated effort, but this is again by um, uh, an article by Gateway Pundit, a massive coordinated effort by the deep state, and um, he puts in parentheses permanent administrative state to work with big tech to censor and manipulate Americans from average citizens to news outlets on issues including the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. 2020 election integrity, COVID-19 origin, which was a big one. If you tried to say that it was um, man-made, your your account got taken down, censored, shadow banned levels of the way they would silence you, but effectively you were silenced from stating those opinions. Uh, COVID-19 origin and extent skepticism, COVID-19 vaccine skepticism, among other issues. In June, the Gateway Pundit began assisting, um, this was June of 2023, 
began assisting Missouri AG Schmidt's team and providing critical evidence of Facebook and Twitter censorship of the Gateway Pundit on all of these issues. So that's why he's one of the lead – Jim Hoft in Gateway Pundit uh, is one of the lead plaintiffs because he kept the evidence of them um, shadow banning, uh, taking his articles down, you know, silencing him. And that's the thing. So you have to consider that if they were doing it to these very large organizations, of course they were doing it to individuals. And there's plenty of individuals in this case where they, they're citing them and bringing the case for them as well. Um, the case reached a, a crucial turning point in July when A.G. Schmidt and his team won a huge victory. They persuaded the federal judge to grant them limited discovery, investigatory powers before the court. The Gateway Pundit uh, wrote about that development here. I'm going to uh, go through that article a little bit. <clears throat> this allowed A.G. Schmidt to compel the government and Facebook and Twitter and a few other social media platforms to turn over documents and communications exchanged between the government and the social media platforms in which censorship was discussed. And they got the mother load. As they went through the case, as it was climbing its way through the courts, each judge said, you have proved your case, plaintiff. The only thing that we're going to quibble about is the remedy. So every time they would turn over evidence in this, this massive discovery, more and more censorship was discovered, more and more government involvement in that censorship was discovered, and every single judge that saw the case said, yep, they were doing it. The government was censoring American citizens. Um, the problem is not, is not the evidence because you've proven your case. It's how you know, what the remedy is going to be. How will we stop them, the government, from taking away your right to free speech? Guillotine? And say it again? Guillotine? That's why they don't want us to know what's going on. <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I think I would be down for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, at some point, though, one of the uh, arguments that the, the government made um, – got an appellate court to say, okay, yeah, we know they're doing it, but it's okay. Not, not before that, they were like, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Here's the evidence. Okay, well, they're doing it, but it's okay for them to do that, that the American people need to be protected from themselves, from hearing stuff, because it could be damaging if they hear stuff, because really? it could be misinformation, disinformation, and blah, 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 blah. No. <laughs> no, of, in fact, the, the government cannot and must never, and, and keep in mind, this is not me saying, of course, I'm, I, I think it's going to get a whole better because I don't. <laughs> but the truth is, is that um, it's still, this will be still a massive 9-0 decision when Murphy, Surgeon General, General versus Missouri, is, is what it ends up being because they won the government won some limited um, uh, appeal information or in other words they got an appeal up to the Supreme Court based on one of the judges and one or two in an appeals court saying yeah they're doing it but it's okay because which is huh. not true anyway kind of like right? uh, it's okay to bribe the government because it's free speech citizens united Something 
Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, no. It's Citizens United. Yes. Okay, great. Now we have the best government money can buy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, on Monday, March 6th, Missouri and Louisiana filed a massive summary of the evidence so far uncovered in the case. Um, which, again, every judge that's seen it said, wow, you already proved this case, right? The only thing that we're going to quibble about, again, is the remedy. Um, let's see. So it says the summary is the most powerful indictment yet of the oligarchy. So they've even added more. <laughs> they've connected more dots in this in this file, they, um, this brief that they filed with the Supreme Court. It's a 364-page document. But I want to get to the conclusion, which is always the best part of a Supreme Court brief, what the relief they're asking for. And um, hopefully I can make it scroll down quicker than what I'm doing right now. Oh, no, probably not. Oh, here we go. I figured it out. They cite all the sources, but um, it says the state requests sovereign interest. The states also assert quasi-sovereign interest in protecting the freedom of speech of a substantial segment of their population, their citizens who are both speakers and audiences of speech on social media, and ensuring that their citizens receive the full benefit of participation in the federal system, which includes, among other benefits, the full protection of the First Amendment. So that's what they're asking for is that um, they want quasi-sovereign interest, that, that each state has the right to go after the government and say, knock this shit off, you're doing it with uh, the citizens of this state, and keep bringing it and bringing it and bringing it until they stop. So I had my little chuckle about, do I think they're going to continue? Of course I do. The good news is that this, because, and I don't know if you guys know this, maybe you do, the government has to agree to allow you to sue it when it's doing something bad. So the real reach of this brief is that, and then they can say, no, we don't feel like letting you sue us because we don't have time for your case. And, you know, we can, we can knock off frivolous cases when we want to because we're busy doing government stuff. And so go pound sand, right? In this case, the, the part why this one's important is that Joe Smith next door to me can go to his, um, who but a county attorney clerk and, and get his case filed against the, the censorship that's happening against him. It doesn't have to be someone big like Jim Hoft or General Flynn or the president of the United States. Joe Citizen can go do it, which I really like. Hmm. Um, the Let's see, what else did he ask? That's, that's the conclusion is that – that we get we get to from now on be able to very easily very quickly uh go and and stop them from continuing their shenanigans which i think is really great quick question Um, that is what is is that what um is before the supreme court in in march on march 6th yeah okay it's march 18th isn't it march 18th I thought okay. Hold maybe on. I, miss, I, I misheard you. Hold on. But in March, March 18th. In March, it's in March. It's March 18th. Oh man, you messed okay, up. <laughs> I'm like okay, because I I did, Danielle started to tell you that I'm not feeling well today. It was like oh crap. <laughs> um, I, I want Danielle to play <clears throat> something, and it's I gotta send it to you, Danielle. Okay, send it in the green room. Um, 
I'm going to put it in the green room. I don't know if I can. Why is where's my little doodad to send it? No idea. Okay, hold on. You want it in the green room, huh? Uh, yes, please. Just for yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Here's a question for you guys. Our United States military, all the personnel swear to uphold the Constitution, correct? Yes. Yeah. That creates a dilemma for them, doesn't it? Like, if they're given illegal orders, aren't they supposed to do nothing and ignore them? Yeah, that's true. And I I think that's one of the biggest, in my opinion, things that came out of the Nuremberg trial is that these soldiers who, you know, uh, were just um, following orders – that, I mean, that's what they said is that they, they were, you know, like uh, taking, you know, killing people because they were just following orders. And, and that's completely yeah. backwards. Right. And no I think one, that our, I our, think under a colonel could be tried for war crimes because they were obviously given orders by somebody hired to do it. Except the Soviet Union, when they took over their part. They understood they understood this intellectually, but given that the fighting got so nasty, you, the German soldiers still did an average of five years in Siberia first before being sent back. The actual soldiers, not the people giving orders, correct? Right, right. Um, okay, okay, Mom. I think so I before you play, play, yeah, but before you play it, I'm going to do a few more. I, I actually want you to play that at the end now that I'm thinking about it, because the other good news, there was lots of good news that happened. And even, okay, so there, in relation to this lawfare idea, okay, so you may or may not be a Trump supporter. You may or may not, you may think he's guilty. You may not, not the point. There's an issue of presidential immunity on the, on the um, chopping block, and Trump lost that one on appeal at a five-judge panel three of them said that that presidents do not have immunity which which <laughs> turn this freaking country upside down they're doing anything and they don't care if they have to break everything to get this guy okay um and one of them is presidential immunity okay in fact they are victorious in that then then every single conservative that I know is like, so then when do we get to go after George Bush for the fake weapons of mass destruction? When do we get to go after um, President Obama for droning citizens? And, you know, when do we get to go after Joe Biden for his, obviously his his classified documents, his pay to play, uh, you know, so you're opening Clinton, up a floodgate. Yeah, all of yeah. Well, Bill Clinton did actually uh, get to um, get impeached because that's where it's supposed to happen for presidents, right? And they've impeach already quote unquote right impeached but acquitted. They've already done that a couple of times with um, with with Trump. But the truth is, is that it shouldn't be in the courts because there's no president that's going to do anything. They'll have their hands tied the whole time that they are president. Is that a good thing? Wait, I don't do you know. mean that they can't be war criminals anymore? Exactly. Okay, so there's an argument to be made, but they have to be able to move, okay? And there is a way to get them. It's through an impeachment process, and that's why impeachment wasn't used for 100 years before they did it twice to Trump. 
okay? Because it has to be super serious and super, you know, they have all their, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted. And, you know, that's why impeachment is very rarely used. And it and it's the last sort of way to hold some, you know, a president accountable if they commit crimes while they're in office. And they and they very again, very rarely do it except to Trump. OK. Um, Another big case that happened this week, um, there's a, I don't know if you guys know all the cases that are going on against Donald Trump. These people, have, again, have pulled out all the stops. There's a judge down in Florida um, for one of the Jack Smith cases that's actually holding the line. Uh, Jack Smith sued to keep evidence from the, the, the defense. He wanted to exclude evidence for for president trump to be able to mount a defense in um for himself and uh you can't do that you have to turn over all the discovery to the defense because everyone has the right to a a fair trial i'm pretty pretty sure that this is something that they cover on the first day of law school the first day of law school that the the defense gets to see all the stuff you're accusing them of and the evidence you're using to support that uh, accusal. Okay. She smacked him down. You can't do that. You can't do that. And they're, they went, he went at it again. Um, I haven't, I need to find the case. I can't talk about it today until I, until I find the case. Another huge, um, win for the Trump campaign this weekend or the Trump MAGA for, for me <laughs> is they tried to keep him off of the ballot in the state of Colorado because he, committed insurrection. There's so much wrong with this case. I can't, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it other than to say Donald J. Trump has never been accused, convicted, tried, convicted for insurrection. He's not been. Okay. Do you remember when they called it a coup? They first were saying it was a coup. It was a coup. It was a coup. Am I the only one old enough to remember December 25th, 1989 in Romania? That was a coup. That they was a coup. Yeah, that's a coup. Okay. What happened in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. was not a coup. I'm sorry. That's just ridiculous. It was a riot. At, at no, I, I, I would disagree. I do think it was a coup, but I think it was a coup by the Democrats. It, it, it was a Fed surrection, as they say. Okay. Right. So, so you're absolutely right, Danielle. The process of freedom of assembly, basically. Exactly. They, here's the thing. They, they're they howling every day about how we they have to do this to save democracy, and they're using some of the most fascist tactics that I've ever seen. Okay, so it was not a coup. It was not an insurrection. It was a riot, and m- much of the rioting occurred because there were feds salted through the entire crowd. And um, they just released a tape of a guy climbing uh, one of those barriers and firing off a shot right before the cops all started firing on the crowd. Okay, and it's been it's been what three point two years now, and all of a sudden this stuff this uh, um, footage is shown. The guy was clearly trying to get the cops to fire on the crowd by firing. Who knows what he has? And everybody thinks it's like a starting gun as they uh-huh. zoom in on it. But whatever. Um, <clears throat> they, because of that, and then in the state of Colorado, they held an, a little mini trial that Trump wasn't allowed at, by the way. He didn't get to, 
to uh, put a defense. They just read the um, January 6th report from the from those idiots that sat in front of the ABC news cameras and decided, okay, with with maybe even a, not even a tenth of the evidence cherry picked, and, and Trump didn't get to. Mounted defense then either that based on the report he's guilty of insurrection so therefore they're going to take him off the ballot. Huh. They went into the Supreme Court this week and they got their asses handed to them. Every single Supreme Court justice on the court. It was a blood. Even the flaming libs. So Even the flaming libs handed their this guy his ass. You mean their feelings didn't uh, matter? <laughs> Um, well, I will tell you that the two lib justices did try to, you know, soothe the feelings of the Colorado uh, libs that brought this case a little bit. You know, they threw him a couple bones, but for the most part, every single even and even after that, both of them hammered this lawyer. It was a really good day for uh, the people of the United States that at least we know that, you know, lawfare has to go through these people. And they take their jobs very seriously. Um, and, of course, there have been some horrendous decisions that have come out of the Supreme Court. Even, you know, when uh, Donald J. Trump got three got three uh, judges on that um, <clears throat> on there. But still, it was a really good day. Um, there, there's a couple of cases that um, I'm not thrilled with. But, I mean, this could you, I, I don't know if you guys have any idea how many cases Donald J. Trump is fighting in the courts right now. It's just absolutely disgusting. It's sickening. I'm trying to stay in the good news, remember? Um, and failing, so failing, the next failing. Thing, <laughs> I'm failing. <laughs> so I will say, though, that if they take a presidential – I'm going back to that original case – um, presidential immunity away, then then you just watch what happens. Um, they're going to go after uh, you know George Bush, which I would be happy to see. They're going to go after Obama, which I would be happy to see. Certainly, they'll go after Clinton and um, and and Joe Biden. So they they need to be very careful what they wish for. Um, Another good thing that happened this week was that every single Congress critter or majority of the Congress critters, oh God, sorry you guys, I know, uh, stood up and said, "We are here to I know, authoritatively express that President Trump did not commit an insurrection, and we believe that Congress has the unique role of making that declaration." Um, we got Massey going after the Feds for not bringing in the. The uh, supposed pipe bomber, there's more and more evidence coming out that that got planted by the FBI. They got planted by the FBI. Um, Alvin Bragg is getting uh, censured by other judges for his selective prosecution. He is still taking to court some um, poor people. That <laughs> you'll love this one, Danielle. Faked their COVID passport. Um, he's charging them with felonies and um, letting all kinds of other people just walk away. And this, he's taken, you know, all the way to the to to a felony for um, for having fake COVID uh, passports in New York City. See, this so is anyway, why I just said to you, I don't have one, and I won't get one. 
exactly. Another um, really great thing happened. There was a monumental ruling for election integrity in the First Circuit Court of Appeals. The First Circuit Appeals rules voter rolls are public records. Well, okay, if I asked you, and of course, you know, a lot of the people that are in this panel are pretty savvy about politics. Bobby, you've been on with us before. I know you're pretty savvy about this stuff. That if you ask average, we have another caller. No, no, he's saying no, no, this he's is the, the first person. time. Yeah, I've been for some reason. I thought you had time. come on with us before. Your voice sounded familiar to me. Anyway, well, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Um, okay, I would imagine you're pretty savvy. You sound savvy to me. So um, that, about Ohio. You know why Ohio is a swing state? Why is Ohio a swing state? Because we don't really care the party. We're just like. You know, it's it's generally a state that's going to vote for the person over the party. I mean, it's slim picking. Which we all should be doing. Exactly. That's what we should all be doing. Who's, because like, then we won't end up with people like John McCain uh, or, like they or Joe Biden. Pick the lesser of two evils. You know why it's a Rust Belt state, right? I hate it's that. It's the Rust Belt because there's all these machines that are rusting doing nothing, and that's because of NAFTA, and that's the Clintons. Come on, and, and that's why they love Donald Trump. It's like okay? this is this is why we didn't vote for that weirdo Hillary. This is it's not because she was a woman. I voted for Jill Stein. Isn't Jill a woman because, too? Yeah, but it's because of NAFTA. Okay, so okay, but back to my original point, and I and your I I love Ohio by the way because they do vote with their hearts, and that's the way all of us should be voting, or in other words, or or with our heads logically. Okay, our wallets. And with our wallets, <laughs> thank you very much. And it usually we usually do. Okay, if things are really good, we're kind of laissez-faire. But when things are really rough, we get up and vote. Okay. Anyway, my point is is that most people would say, well, of course, voter rolls are public record, right? Uh, because that's our votes, and and that should be public record. Okay. Well, apparently, the government has over the years sinisterly made made everyone believe they are not because oh you could get Sally Sue's address and you could go over and be mean to her so we're gonna we're gonna hide them from the public okay that's not why they're doing it and everyone on this panel knows it okay there was a monumental ruling for election integrity the first circuit court of appeals rules voter rolls are public records and election officials cannot hide them from the public um the First Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that voter rolls are public record and election officials can't hide them. Whether voter – hold on. Registration rolls are accurate and current cannot be determined without expecting the voter file. In other words, inspecting. The, in other words, the evaluation of voter registration rolls would be impossible if the results of Maine's voter list regulation and maintenance activities were not subject to public disclosure. So I don't know how they pulled it off in the first place. But uh, they have done that, and, and that's how we end up with dirty voter rolls, and that's how we end up with Joe Biden. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> Public Interest Legal Foundation secured a landmark ruling for transparency and clean elections. The, okay, so the First Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in PILF's favor that under the National Voter Registration Act of 1993, Maine's voter roll is a public record. Okay. 
Whether voter registrations are accurate and current cannot be determined. I just read that. Um, the restrictions imposed by the used barn erect an impenetrable barrier for those seeking to use the voter file to evaluate and enforce compliance with NVRA nationwide. So they pulled a shenanigan. Um, J. Christian Ad Adams is the lead attorney. The use restrictions would have prohibited basic voter role research and limited PILF's ability to share its findings with the public. Okay. So this is good news for everyone because they will take this case. And now the next question is, of course, these dirty bastards are going to appeal. Well, uh, you know, Sally Sue's name could, you know, people could find it. Okay, well, so what? So it's going to the Supreme Court, of course. Um, I, I would, I'm going to be very interested in, to see and probably laugh at the arguments for more secrecy. Um, just like with the Missouri case, the the arguments that the government make are making um, probably are laughable, laughable. Well, what if and you bring also, up these same arguments when they want to renew the Patriot Act? It, you know, let me just tell you something. That's another <clears throat> piece of crap law. And you I can you can uh, thank Kavanaugh for that, by the way. He he authored the Patriot I, I Act. I know so, that. But let's just I, talk about I how know. he maybe raped somebody back when he was a, a teenager. That's more uh, important, uh, right? You know, let me just tell you something. They're all they're all in on it. They're all in on it, and I get it. But I will tell you that at the height of the Patriot Act, the patriotism, quote unquote, and the way that they propagandize us at the time, Danielle. Um, because we had just been wounded mightily by 9-11, okay? They used that, and so then, but I've watched them since then, now that I know what I know, is that this is how they pull this crap. They get us scared, distressed, angry, get our flags flying, because we love our country, and they use it against us. Absolutely. Yep, they know us better than we know ourselves. Uh, well, all right. And see, now I'm getting all like sideways. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, some another piece of great news. And, and you know I'm going to love this one. Numbers don't lie. It's official. The mainstream media is dying, and it's spectacular. <clears throat> Ever since Elon Musk purchased Twitter and made his platform a tool for independent journalism, it has felt like there is a decline for our pals in the mainstream media. Between the complaining and, of course, the layoffs, we figured it wasn't good. Hmm. Seeing it like this, though, seeing the numbers, as Dodge Designer says in its post, mainstream media is dying. This is a twitchy article from Sam Jay, the editor. Um, and good riddance, she says. Take a look at this. Every single mainstream media outlet is down um, uh, in the 40 percentile all the way down to, you know, news.com, Australia, uh, 4%. Um, but all of them are in the, the teens and 20s. They're, they're dying. And, and thank you, Donald J. Trump. If you, anybody ever asked me what is the one thing that I love that he did for us, which was go after the media. Did you want to make a comment, Bobby? No, I don't know what that was. That was some kind of interference. I'm just like listening until I'm specifically oh, asked. Okay. I don't yeah, know feel what free that to was. Ask questions, though, too. I don't know what that was. I heard it, too. I did, too. It sounded like somebody came in sideways. Um, okay. I think that's all I got for today, other than um, I still love Anthony. Um, um, 
Oliver Anthony, uh, he was doing a, a show in Scotland, for goodness sakes. I had no idea he went worldwide. And um, <clears throat> while he was doing his show, uh, a bunch of the showgoers broke into a, a chant that said, Joe, Joe Biden is a pedophile. They spell it different and pronounce it different over there, P-A-E-D-O-P-H-I-L-E, pedophile, and it was glorious, um, and he just started cracking it up. He said, I think you guys just helped me write my next song. Um, if you you can play that after I get out, the, 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 quote, the clip that I sent you, Danielle, if you're, anytime you're ready, and I will check out after that. First, before I do, anybody have any questions, concerns, or comments? I do. I got one for you. Have okay. You, have you ever heard the legend of the blinded Cyclops couple? No. Neither have I. Uh, oh, God. You're so fired. <laughs> okay. So this guy is going to go on ramp. I'm just going to set it up for question. you a little bit. Yeah. Yes. I was wondering, now you said, do you know how many lawsuits Donald Trump is dealing with right now? And Let's ask honestly, Siri. I don't. <laughs> I was wondering if you do. Okay, there's because at I least 10. News and... There's at least 10, but I'm going to ask Siri. Hey, Siri. Great. How many legal cases does Donald J. Trump have going right now? She's counting. <laughs> Carry the one. She's overwhelmed. <laughs> the number's too high. That number's not correct. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, what you is guys mind if I tell you what's going on in Ohio a little bit? What's going sure. on in Ohio? You know, uh, well, for a while, gambling was illegal here. And I remember everybody at work going to West Virginia and Pennsylvania to go gamble until finally they thought about it like, okay, we're losing money, so gambling was legalized. We we legalized 420. So, I mean, by referendum. So now Mike DeWine, I don't know why, and he's a conservative, but whatever. It kind of breaks down like what a conservative and a liberal is nowadays. It really breaks down. He's trying to undermine that, and it's like, wait a minute, Mike. You've been in politics for how many years? Don't you work for the people of Ohio? They vote one way and you don't like it? Isn't that, like, too bad? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep trying. Okay, second, so I think I said, right I, now, hold on, I think I Katie, found... to your... How many cases? Over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. <laughs> 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 I think he's right. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to name them off real quick, and I know there's more. Okay, this is the Atlantic. They're they're doing the ones they like. The New York State fraud case. Okay, that's the one where they uh, they valued his property at 81 million dollars. Mar-a-Lago. Freaking liars. Uh, the. Um, Manhattan defamation and sexual assaults, that, that's E. Jean Carroll. The Manhattan hush money case, that's Stormy Daniels. She already lost that case. He won damages against her. Uh, but they're bringing it again from a different angle. 
the Department of Justice Mar-a-Lago documents, which just went down in flames because Joe Biden did it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the Fulton County election subversion case, that's Fannie Williams. That one's going down in flames as well. Um, but Fannie will, will, excuse me, Department of Justice election subversion case, that's the one in Washington, D.C. Um, there is the, hold on. Okay, so that one's, those are the ones that the Atlantic has. Okay, um, okay, uh, so I think that's all, a lot, and, and those are not the only ones, Katie. There, there's more. The, he's fighting cases all over the United States. Colorado, Maine, those two cases yeah. are kicking him off the ballot. They're not out, even on here, okay? Um, and I think there's a couple more cases uh, that I, I can't, I haven't been able to come up with. It says, okay. So that's what I got. You want to play that clip for me, Danielle? Yeah, right. And um, I'm going to sign off after that. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. When I think about guys, every time it brings tears to my eyes. The way people have sacrificed for this nation. And then they cheer people, saying this nation is not good enough, that this nation is less than that this nation is racist. My God, where do you, what part of this country do you have to live in? Where are you at in your mind to say that this is a racist nation? Show it to me. Bring it to me. Lay it at my feet. Any person that thinks that this is a racist nation, look here. I got a personal story to tell you. A personal story to tell you. I'm standing right here and I'm looking at all these different faces in here and I see people that don't look anything like me some of whom have embraced me in tears and tell me that they love me. And they don't love me because I'm a black man or because I'm a white man. They love me because we share a heart. We share a heart for this nation. We support this nation where people don't care what you look like anymore. Just as long as you're standing up for what's right. And that's why we're here tonight, folks. We're here to stand up for what's right. Because we know what's right, and we have right on our side. And I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you, as you sit in those chairs, as you stand there, as you listen to me, if you don't think this is a fight, all you got to do is turn on CNN for five minutes, and your mind will be changed. And so what I'm going to leave you with here tonight, guys, is it's time to stand up and be strong. You know, I said for many years, if we had president that would just stand up and say what needs to be said, he'd get something done. And we had one in number 45. We sure did. Folks complained about how we did it, but I'm going to really tell you like this. Now is not the time to be soft-spoken and timid and afraid. Now is not the time to sit back and say, well, maybe we can negotiate. Now is not the time to put a pipe in the corner of your mouth and say, well, let's see what the book says about it. This is not the time for that, folks. We are in a battle for the soul of this nation, the literal soul of this nation. This nation is actually standing at a crossroads in a giant semi-truck called socialism. It's coming down the pike. Now is not the time to look at that, look at our nation and say, you need to look out. Now is not the time for that. 
Now is the time for us to stand up and say, wake up, America! Wake up! You are about to give away one of the greatest gifts God has ever given to humanity. You are about to give it away because you refuse to stand up like those who came before you. It is time for us to stand up, folks. It's time for us to be unafraid, unashamed, and unabashed with the truth that we have in us. And tell those socialist bastards who want to destroy this nation, you will not do it on my watch. You will not do it now. You will not do it ever. Because this is America. And I don't come from some weak, jelly-backed people. I come from people who survived the Middle Passage and the Potato Famine and who survived World War I and World War II and Vietnam and Korea and survived, uh, and survived the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Folks who survived 9-11 and tore it down thought they were boils. I don't come from a weak and ineffective people. And if you want this fight, you bring it. Because we are ready. Because we don't back down and we don't give up. We will fight and we will fight for the future of our children. You don't believe it? You're going to get a lesson. The same way the British did, the same way the Germans did, the same way the Japanese did, the same way the communists did, the same way those terrorists over in the Middle East did. You're going to get a lesson in what three men will do to hold on to their freedom. So hold on to your hats, communists. Hold on to your hats, soldiers. The patriots are coming, and you're not going to like it when they get there. God bless the great state of North Carolina, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you. Okay. That's the way I feel. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't feel that way right this very moment because I don't feel well, but that's the way I feel. We're up for a yeah, fight, you guys. Yeah, you to go lay down instead of stand up. That's okay. I You're sick. I, I, okay. I bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week, okay? All right. Love you. I love you. I know. Feel better. Okay, thank you. Hey, okay. Danielle. Yes. You want to hear something great? This is awesome. Well, yeah, I, work in a, I work in a supermarket, and I, I, I see, like, thousands all day because it's, like, the, one of the biggest supermarkets in the region. It's right off the highway. So, anyway, I had COVID on Christmas. <laughs> Not that I trust doctors. It's that the three people that had the same things I did went to the doctor, and they all came up with COVID. Yeah. I had well, COVID, like, two weeks ago. Yeah. So, I had – this is what my memory of Christmas was. 104-degree fever, and I slept 19 hours. I don't know what happened. But they knew I was getting sick because I didn't feel right in Christmas Eve. I was like, something wrong. But by the end of the week, I just was back to work because this is like, you know, you, you have a human body. You're sick. You feel like crap. And hopefully someone's helping to take care of you. And then you get over it. Like, this, that's how we all had chicken pox. When we were kids, we had chicken pox. You, you get your own immunities to it. It's been like this. We are all survivors of every nasty thing that ever happened to humanity. The survivors went on and had kids. All right? Agreed. Yeah, totally. It's kind of hard to have a kid if you're dead, you know. Right. Yeah, I think so. So this whole thing, like, people turning their backs on each other because of a difference in a, of opinion for vaccinations, let's back up for a second. People are free to do whatever they want to their own body. Yeah. Correct. Correct. That's when you're telling someone what they should do with theirs, that's when we have a problem. Right. 
I mean, there, there is some gray area with drugs and things like that. Like the, there are laws um, saying that, you know, even though it's funny because even though vaccines are also drugs, there's some leniency about laws um, with, uh, of, about drugs that harm your body. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you're totally right. Did you ever hear what Portugal did about their problems with, like, say, heroin and meth? They're, they're yeah, they made it illegal. They made it legal. They made everything yeah, legal. Yeah, they did it as a health concern as opposed to let's throw everybody in jail for possession. Yeah. What kind of adult totally. has a mentality, I'm going to tell you what to do? Uh, you're still responsible for your actions, whether you're high or not. That I understand. But just yeah. having something, so what? Mm-hmm. Lily is with us, by the way. Um, Mom was in the middle of her good news report, so um, I didn't get to say hello. So hello, Lily. Lily Kincaid. This is, uh, well, Bobby, uh, I mean, Robert, um, you probably are friends with him on Facebook. It's yeah, the same community. Yeah, I know who Lily is. Yeah. Good Hopefully. to be on the show with you. Hopefully awesome. Lily is oh. not traumatized by my presence. I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's wonderful no, to be on the show with <laughs> Okay, let's um, let's change gears here and get into the um, the Putin Tucker Carlson interview. Um, I asked Lily to do um, a, a short synopsis, you know, first or long synopsis. It doesn't matter. We got two more hours um, of the interview, and then um, and then we'll we'll get into some clips after that. So, Lily, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Okay, can you hear me? Is my connection being good today? Yeah. It is being great. Okay, wonderful. Sorry, I just have to check because you never know. So I really loved the Tucker interview. Um, I've always kind of adored Putin. Like, I've never heard him give an interview or a speech that I didn't wholeheartedly agree with. Uh Uh-oh, what happened? Are you there? Agree with you? Yeah. Uh-oh. Lily? Uh, yeah, she's gone. Yeah. All right. Kate, why don't you go ahead and take it away then? Uh, and then when she gets back on, we'll let her uh, go next. Will do. So here we have Tucker Carlson, <clears throat> a formerly very mainstream news presenter, gone off on his own doing what he wants to do, has this massive audience, and he is interviewing Putin. So he's going to bring what Putin's saying to this huge, huge audience, therefore possibly changing the trajectory of human history. Because what's happening with this conflict is that we're trying, not we, NATO and the U.S. military-industrial complex is playing footsie with World War III and trying to have a proxy war with Ukraine, excuse me, with Russia through Ukraine, fighting Russia to the last Ukrainian. So to have somebody with such a massive audience in the West as Tucker bringing these ideas mainstream is huge. I think Somebody, I heard somebody say that Putin's interview was the greatest hits that we've all been hearing on alternative media for a very long time. But still, how refreshing and very articulate. Um, uh, 
I was a little bit taken aback when I heard Tucker say that he didn't think Putin was good at explaining himself. I think when, I don't know, this is just what I think. I think when Tucker goes back and watches it, if he does, he says he doesn't watch his own material ever. But I think that Putin's Putin's answers were just so long and so detailed that he was answering in a way that had great scope and can be looked at in retrospect. So I don't know. I was just confused by Tucker saying that. Well, but, um, let me just uh, really quick ahead. just interject here and say that, um, you know, I, I think that uh, not the questions asking couldn't really be summed up in a, in a sound bite amount of time. And, and so I really appreciated mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that there was that, uh, but go ahead and, and finish up uh, with your synopsis. Lily's back and we'll let her uh, do hers. Sure. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. It happens. It happens. Um, well, let me see if I can get my thinking back into order. Um, so, it was really interesting how Putin, he took charge of the interview, as we saw, uh, by redirecting Tucker's question and reframing it in a way to put the spotlight on the history of the region rather than on these kind of more superficial questions of what are you going to do? And um, I, We can listen to the exact clip, so I won't try to paraphrase, not really remembering the exact words, but... He gave such a detailed analysis. Actually, you know, looking back, it's stuff that I didn't even really know. There was one thing he said about Lenin gave Ukraine, was it, uh, I'll have to go back and listen, but Lenin gave away Ukraine when it used to be part of the empire. And what I've heard and what my understanding is, is that he did this as an agreement with the Marxists who were backing him. So he had, like, made this agreement beforehand because even Putin was scratching his head and going, why did Lenin do that? We don't know. It was strange, but Ukraine had always been a part of Russia. So anyway, I don't want to take up too much time because I know Lily had planned something, but I've got the whole timeline here and we can revisit all the different parts of the interview and talk about them but it was fascinating to hear some of the answers like Nord Stream Pipeline um, the falling out with the U.S. after supposed like friendship in Perestroika and the disarmament and then the U.S. violating U.N. law and bombing Belgrade and uh, the part where I love Putin asked Bill Clinton on camera if he could join NATO and Bill seemed interested in it. (laughs) So that was an interesting part of the interview as well. Totally. Um, Let's see. And then the, the whole thing about how they, well, the Minsk agreements, the Minsk Accords, that's all really important stuff that he covered that's going to be great for a U.S. audience to think about. The Ukraine peace plan that was interrupted by Boris Johnson, that's important for people to know about, the i.e. that Putin and Russia have been going to the table over and over and over again 
trying to create a peace agreement and NATO won't have it. So that's an important thing because I remember when I was watching Fox News and Tucker Carlson back when he was on Fox and it was always Putin the madman. No matter who, who you watch, Putin is a madman. Like everybody had their talking points and their marching orders that they have to say, Putin's crazy. He's doing this because he's crazy. So boy, what a departure. And this is opening up the whole dialogue for people in the West to say enough is enough and we don't want to support this war. There you go. That's my just initial feelings about it. Yeah, totally. Perception. Um, just just a little side note, we'll get to Lily in one second, is that one of my Facebook friends just put up this like long kind of rambling post about, did you fall for the PSYOP about the Tucker-Putin interview? And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even uh, want to, you know, it's, come on, it's a PSYOP, huh? Just, okay. Can I just say, can I just add to that? I saw today somebody said that there was two Masons it. And if you look closely, you can see Masonic imagery, and it's all a show. Enjoy the fake interview. Like, what are you – how is this helpful? Like, what planet are you on? Right. I I don't get Okay, Lily. you got to take some things at face value. Exactly, exactly. Um, And, again, you know, it doesn't really matter if if there there are are, – I'll share your motives. It doesn't really matter. Truth is truth. Listen to the truths. Take the truths. Discard the mm-hmm. lies. Call out the lies. But don't just say that everything is a psyop. That's that. It seems yeah. like the the cheater way out. Okay, Lily. Let's let's get yeah. back to your synopsis Con- here. Consider the source. Of course, Putin has an ulterior motive. But you can still hear him and listen to him uh, and analyze you mean survival? Yes. <laughs> Ending a war. Stop right. stopping the exactly. killing of hundreds of thousands of people. Precisely. Yeah. All right, Lily. Are you ready? Yes. I very much enjoyed Putin's interview, although I really always enjoy listening to Putin speak because I just think that he is very intelligent and he gives a lot of explanation and description to back up what he's saying, you know, like, and he always, in my opinion, anyway, he's always saying the truth, which usually is, you know, like about the United States military taking imperialist hegemonic action in other countries very unilaterally that threatens even our own allies. And so I really appreciate that because I am against war anyway, you know? And so I like that Putin is very like calm and clear headed and usually against war as well. Um, and I really enjoyed his discussion of the history of the Ukraine and Russia and Poland and, you know, really discussing the Azov battalion and the Nazism that is so prevalent in the Ukraine Um, And that, you know, like really does threaten a lot of Russians and Hungarians because the Ukraine was belonged to Russia. But there are also a lot of Hungarians that still live there and that want, you know, like some of it to be given back to Hungary because that is their land and their homeland. Um, And so I thought his discussion of that and of Hungary was very fair. You know, he wasn't discussing like just taking back the Ukraine because it belongs to them 
and did until Stalin, you know, a terrible dictator, gave it away, but also about the discussion with Hungary and, you know, that they would have claim to some of that land as well. And really the actual issues with the coup that happened in 2014 by the CIA and that the Bidens got money from and were involved with as well, um, you know, and how it has been threatening the lives of hundreds of thousands of people before Russia got involved. And so really they've wanted to get involved since 2014. And they've been asked by many Russians living in the Ukraine for Russia to get involved, you know, and then, they still didn't take military action against the Ukraine until they broke agreements and, you know, put all of those NATO bases in the Ukraine, which they had signed treaties with Russia saying that they would not do. And so I thought his assessment of everything was very fair. And while I don't agree with war, you know, like I do think that Russia was fully within their rights to enter the Ukraine and, you know, what we would say invaded the Ukraine um, you know, and it is also, I think it's important to remind Western people that listen to a lot of Western media that the Ukraine is the third, the world's third largest exporter of child trafficking and child exploit exploitation sexually. And so, you know, like that's something that Putin has talked about before wanting to you know, like assist in getting rid of those trafficking rings because they also take Russian children. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot more involved than just crazy madman Putin wanting to take over another country, you know, and I think it's important to talk about. But I also really enjoyed his discussion of Elon Musk and of, you know, AI and genetic altering people's genetics and how we have to, you know, like, um, I think he said he compared it to gunpowder, you know, and how once gunpowder was discovered and invented and being used like there was no way to stop the use of it but that at that point you have to get together and you know like have guidelines and that is a really important discussion um you know when we're talking about ai and genetic alteration and stuff and i liked that discussion that he had of elon musk and um you know like Neuralink, and also his discussion of the spiritual war that he believes and that I also believe that we are in, um, you know, and so his discussion of Eastern Orthodoxy, Christian religion, that is very prevalent in Europe, especially in Russia, I also thought was really interesting, you know, like his discussion of in the 13th century, how that was like their culture really centered around that religion and still does. But then, you know, the discussion of what happened when the Pope got involved in the Vatican. And so anyway, I just thoroughly enjoyed the entire interview. Um, and I also, you know, really loved when he called out the CIA, not just with the Nordstrom pipeline, but in general, you know. And, and when he said, like talked about how stupid they were for using the U.S. dollar to enforce foreign policy and force other countries to go along with their policies because, you know, now, as he discussed, like, that has really hurt the United States. Like, we have basically kind of, like, separated ourselves and isolated ourselves in that way with the dollar, um, you know, which is now becoming defunct. And so, anyway, I just thought the whole interview was great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me uh, – I'm, I'm trying to pull up – some of the timeline 
Do you have a but link to it? Several, yes. Um, so the first one you sent, I don't... Oh, okay. So the first one you sent, you want me to go in order? Well, if you just go to... If you want to... I don't know how you want to approach this exactly, but there's a timeline at TuckerCarlson.com backslash mm-hmm. the Vladimir Putin interview. And then if you scroll down, there's an t- actual timeline. I can send you that, though. I don't know if that's what you really want to... It gives us a little structure, I suppose. So Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I totally... synopsis of these. Um, now, you sent me something that is uh, video by Going Underground. Um, that we can look at a little bit later. That's just more like Trump, like what, the, how Trump may be affected by all this. Mm-hmm. And but then the RT video? Yeah, I've got some different videos. They're just, they are just snippets of the longer interview. And we could actually start with the Glenn Greenwald breakdown of it, just to give mm-hmm. us a little bit of a start here. If you want to bring that up, I can give you a time code. Yeah, uh, did you you sent it to me, right? The yeah, I sent it to the green room. Okay, all right. I'm looking. Oh, there it is. Okay. Let's see, here we go. And we might want to. I mean, these are just Greenwald takeaways. The other okay. things there might be something else that Lily wants to cover and I agree that the history he gave was excellent. It was really long though. But yeah, exactly. Really informative. I thought um, that what Glenn Greenwald talks about at about 6.07 is the U.S. bombing of Belgrade that went against U.N. Charter to not bomb countries unless they bomb you first. So they were bombing, I think he's saying they were bombing Serbia because the Serbians wanted to rejoin Russia. <laughs> so, sort of. hello. It's kind of more complicated are. than that, but yeah. Yeah, if you've got any thoughts, um, Bobby, go I, ahead. I, I do, like, because she was talking about, like, Hungary and stuff, and I told you before, I'm half Slovak, so I'm kind of... I, I'm kind of apt to understand what's going on in the old country, even then, even now. So this is this is one thing that's interesting. How many Americans sit there and think that Putin's as bad as Stalin? Because it's not true. Because Slovakia right. signed the Axis Power Treaty not because they agreed with everything was going on in Germany, but they understood the next superpower will either be Germany or Russia, and they picked Germany. That's how bad Stalin was, right? You have people walking around, oh, Putin's, Putin's the same as Stalin. No, he's not at all. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Stalin yeah. starved 10 million of his own people to death. How many people think Russia is a communist country? No, it isn't. It hasn't been <laughs> for like since exactly. the 90s. Exactly. And then you brought up uh, Serbia and Yugoslavia, and this is one of the rare times I'll say Bill Clinton was kind of on the ball here. Because he, he, he is the president with the highest IQ in U.S. history. It's just a fact, right? You know, you take a test mm-hmm. and this is what you scored, right? I'm, I'm imagining that's the one day uh, I, I might have some insider information about, like, how much arguing between Hillary and, and Bill the whole eight years, every single day there was, right? 
But one day, I'm sure he said, get out of my office. I need to think so it doesn't start World War III, right? So they came up with – have any of you guys heard the Marshall Plan, how that works? Germany was bad with their tanks, so they got punished, and you're not allowed to have tanks until – it was supposed to be like 2015 or 2025 or something like that. Bill came up and thought, let's let the Marshall Plan expire early. And we'll let German tanks go through Serbia so American boots don't have to do it. That wasn't too bad. I give him credit for that. Not necessarily selling America's soul to corporations, but that's a different thing. So basically, yeah. when, when you like have Slobodan Milosevic decided, well, it's going to be Yugoslavia no matter what, and he started invading people he doesn't like. He tried to do it to Croatia, but the problem is Germany and Austria have always been secret allies with Croatia since, like, the Middle Ages. It wasn't a very good idea. So unlike Bosnia with outdated Russian equipment and crap, they're trying to fight, like, against weapons that were better than theirs, basically. And it got really ugly after that. But I, I, I'll have to give credit to Bill for that. One day he thought about it like, hmm, how could we not all die here? Interesting, yeah. Well, I, mean, oh, I, I wish you would have seen the interview. Kind of, Sorry, Kate, go ahead. Did you not, did you, Bobby, did you see the interview with Putin? Unfortunately, no, I was working. Unbelievable. Oh, well, it's online. You, you can see it very easily. Well, I'm listening to everything you guys say, and I do have a little cultural context, because the funny thing is, you would think that Slovaks would unanimous, unanimously be supporting Ukraine. And right now there's a political party over there that's way more in support of Putin than most of the world would like to admit. Mm -hmm. So if Slovak people are more like going to pick the side that's the least crazy as best as they can in a horrible situation, how come they're kind of siding with Putin? Is that a fair question? Well, and also I think the big, a big point in this interview and a big point that Glenn Greenwald is making here and what we're going to hopefully listen to in a, couple minutes is that a lot of these outlying I don't know what to call them states territories they became their own small countries but they had been part of the Soviet Union and a lot of people remember that and liked it and still consider themselves Russian and so they try to say hey let's be part of Russia and then the US and NATO says no sorry can't no can do and it's not on their border, it's not close to them, and it has nothing to do with them, and they're just inserting themselves where they don't belong because Russia has already said, hey, we're not communists anymore. We're not trying to build empire. We are bourgeois. We're like you, We and we like you. We love the U.S. But then the U.S. says, sorry, we have to control you. We have to come in and make sure you don't get any bigger because now apparently we're your boss and it's not really fair. So I, I give the rest of the world a lot of credit for this point. They understand it's not the American people. It's the government. There's a big difference. Most people from other countries God, observe so. how the American people are treated and they end up feeling sorry for the people. I give them credit for that. Well, yeah, we're also being brainwashed quite a bit, but Danielle, do you, do you think you could bring up that Glenn Greenwald? Absolutely. There we go. And yep. go to 607? Yep, hmm. I'm at 603. That's, that, that'll, that'll work. 
Personally, when I say you, of course, I'm talking about the United States. The promise was that NATO would not expand eastward, but it happened five times. There were five waves of... Just interrupt and uh, let me know when you want me to pause for commentary. And um, there's another listener. Um, please press one if you want to be a part of the show. If not, we're just glad you're here on Seeds of Change. Here we go. Three, two, one. We tolerated all that. We were trying to persuade them. We were saying, please don't. We are as bourgeois now as you are. We are a market economy and there is no communist party power. Let's negotiate. Moreover, I have also said this publicly before. There was a moment when a certain rift started growing between us. Before that, Yeltsin came to the United States. Remember, he spoke to Congress and said the good words. God bless America. Everything he said were signals. Let us in. Remember the developments in Yugoslavia before the Yeltsin was lavished with praise? As soon as the developments in Yugoslavia started, he raised his voice in support of Serbs, and we couldn't but raise our voices for Serbs in their defense. I understand that there were complex processes underway there. I do. But Russia could not help raising its voice in support of Serbs, because Serbs are also a special and close to us nation, with orthodox culture and so on. It's a nation that has suffered so much for generations. Well, regardless, what is important is that Yeltsin expressed his support. What did the United States do? In violation of international law and the UN Charter, it started bombing Belgrade. It was the United States that led the genie out of the bottle. Moreover, when Russia protested and expressed its resentment, what was said, the UN Charter and international law have become obsolete. Now everyone invokes international law, but at that time they started saying that everything was outdated. Everything had to be changed. Indeed, some things need to be changed, as the balance of power has changed. It's true, but not in this manner. Yeltsin was immediately dragged through the mud, accused of alcoholism, of understanding, of knowing nothing. He understood everything, I assure you. Well... I became president in 2000. I thought, okay, the Yugoslav issue is over, but we should try to restore relations. Let's reopen the door that Russia had tried to go through. And moreover, I said it publicly. Reiterate. At a meeting here in the Kremlin with the outgoing president, Bill Clinton, right here in the next room, I said to him, I asked him, Bill, do you think if Russia asked to join NATO, do you think it would happen? Suddenly he said, you know, it's interesting. I think so. But in the evening when we met for dinner, he said, you know, I've talked to my team. No, no, it's not possible now. You can ask him. I think he will watch our interview. He'll confirm it. I wouldn't. I mean, that history is also well known that Boris Yeltsin was beloved by the Americans. He was celebrated on Time magazine when he was elected as having been elected with the help of American political operatives. We interfered in Russia's election because we wanted uh, Boris Yeltsin to win. He came to Congress. He was given a standing ovation. Russia was considered an ally of the United States. And during the Clinton administration, when they began bombing 
the longtime historical and religious ally of Russia, the, uh, the Serbs in Belgrade, the Russians objected. And what also happened besides the United States basically saying, oh, these international law concepts about not invading other countries, not bombing other countries unless they attack you, these are all outdated. We don't believe in these rules anymore. Only to now invoke them when they when it suits them. What also happened was the United States and the West took the position that Kosovo, which had always been part of Serbia as part of Yugoslavia, ought to be separated from Serbia and declared an independent state because the people of Kosovo were, had, a, had a different culture and a different language and didn't want to be part of Serbia. And Putin warned at the time publicly that this was an extremely dangerous precedent because all throughout Europe, there are all sorts of states that have been cobbled together of people with different languages and different histories and, and allegiances and cultures. Obviously, that was true in Georgia, where those two provinces that broke away had far more allegiance to Russia than to the state of Georgia. They were Russian-speaking. They wanted Russian passports. It's true in even places like Belgium, where half the country speaks one language, half the country speaks the other. It is true in Ukraine, obviously, which has been in a civil war since the U.S. aided coup, as he'll explain in 2014, when the part of eastern Ukraine that speaks Russian, that identifies as Russian, that was always culturally Russian, that is far closer to Moscow than it is to Kiev, especially once there was a coup. Uh, I'm describing Ukraine, I, I might have said something else, but I'm talking about Ukraine, where the western part of Ukraine is filled with Russian-speaking nationals who are religiously and historically and culturally far closer to Russia than they are to Ukraine, which is why there's been a civil war for eight years ever since that coup in 2014, because the people in those Russian-speaking provinces in the western part of Ukraine that Russia now, in the eastern part of Ukraine that Russia now controls and occupies, feels a different sentiment about Kiev, just like the people of Kosovo didn't want to be part of Serbia. And Putin said that was the precedent you set, and that's the precedent we're now using, both in Georgia and in Ukraine, the one that separated Kosovo from Serbia. And that was an example where NATO, a defensive alliance, started bombing Yugoslavia, started bombing Serbia, even though obviously Serbia never had any posed any threat at all to NATO or to the West. And that also created these fault lines where the Russians were put on one side and the West on the other. Mm. All right, let's go to the next segment. Okay. Do we want to keep going with the next okay. segment? Yeah, let's pause. let's pause for a second. Okay. And just, I just wanted to observe that Tucker, while he has a massive audience, and following, he can bring this message to so many people. He's not a Russian expert. So somebody like Glenn Greenwald is just doing such a great job of explaining some stuff that Putin's talking about, whereas Tucker said, well, Putin has a hard time explaining himself, but maybe what he's really saying is, I don't really understand the history of this region, so I need someone to explain it to me. Hopefully can I bring this along a little bit? Ben? Yes, please. So this whole thing, he keeps bringing up Yugoslavia, right? If a state or a confederation is together, we're, we're, we're Bosnia, we're Herzegovina, we're Macedonia, we're all together, and they vote to leave said state, technically the word we could use is secession, correct? Yes. 
Serbia is the main state that had a problem with this because Serbia controlled most of the wealth of Yugoslavia. So it's kind of a similar question if I heard there was some talk of secession in Oregon where they wanted to secede from the main state and join Idaho. Some of the rural counties are getting tired of how schools are run there. It's their children. They changed their diapers. They bonded with said child. It's their, you know, they want authority over how their kids are taught. If they vote to secede, secession was never illegal anywhere, ever. If that's how you vote, that's how you vote. So I'm kind of like, I understand why Slobodan Milosevic died in the Hague. I really do. Yeah. But it doesn't. He's got a point. It doesn't give anyone the right to just violate international law at a whim. But it is a lot more complicated than the West was being bad, because technically Croatia always had that tie with Austria and Germany, which is huge in NATO's plans. But that was that was in the 90s. That's not now. Just a thought. Well, I think if he's just saying, Putin's saying it's none of the West's business, and especially if they're going to they're going to attack someone who has not attacked them, that how is that their place? That's well, I, I just get, alienating Russia, who's supposedly their new friend. Right, I get that, but I'm saying like with the Yugoslavia thing, that's on Slobodan Milosevic. So you didn't like how the vote went. That doesn't mean you get to invade Bosnia. Yeah, I don't. I'm not an expert in that, but your insight is certainly appreciated. Um, so, do you want to just do? I had marked 1722 as the next part that I thought was interesting. Okay, let me. I don't yeah, know. I'll, we're probably there already because we listened to quite a bit. No, no, we're at 1240. Um, okay. So this is NATO accusing Russia of expansion threat to try and create a global war. That's like NATO's agenda is that to create a global war by saying Russia's just going to keep expanding and expanding and that going into Ukraine and the special military operation was just an effort to expand Russia. Yeah. Okay. 17 what? 1722. Okay, 1717 is as close as I can get. Here we go. Three, two, one. In any way. All right, let's hear the next clip. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Please don't. What is there to talk about? Do you think NATO is worried about this becoming a global war or a nuclear conflict? At least that's what they're talking about. And they're trying to intimidate their own population with an imaginary Russian threat. I'm sorry, did you say something? No. No? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. This is an obvious fact. And thinking people, not Philistines, but thinking people, analysts, those who are engaged in real politics, just smart people, understand perfectly well that this is a fake. They're trying to fuel the Russian threat. The threat I think you're referring to is a Russian invasion of Poland, Latvia, expansionist behavior. Is, can you imagine a scenario where you send Russian troops to Poland? 
только в одном случае, если It is absolutely out of the question. You just don't have to be any kind of analyst. It goes against common sense to get involved in some kind of a global war. And a global war will bring all humanity to the brink of destruction. It's obvious. There are certainly means of deterrence. They have been scaring everyone. All right, so take that what it's worth. Are we, do you want to keep going or no? Um, that, I think that was good. And I think it's okay. pretty self-explanatory. Russia is saying we do not want to expand for the sake of expanding. And we're only going, we're only going to fight someone if they fight us. Hasn't all this stuff happened before? It's like history repeats itself. Didn't uh, Colin Powell warn a certain dictator in the country of Georgia to stop provoking the Russians, that it's out of our sphere of influence, and if you keep provoking them and they invade you, we are not going to help you, and he kept doing it anyway? Yeah. Well, good. We should <laughs> Could we? I, I just want to real quick kind of just go right. Just I just have three more quick things. 2320. This talks about how the U.S. presidents have all seemed to connect with Putin in a friendly way and seemed and said positive things about him, other than probably Joe Biden. But then yeah. there's always this other apparatus behind the presidents that's operating that does not allow the presidents to have a friendly relationship with Putin. So that's 2320. Twenty-three, twenty. Twenty-three, twenty. Uh, no. Here we go. Three, two, one. Undercut by their agency heads. So it sounds like you're describing a system, meaning the one in the United States, that's not run by the people who are elected. And you're telling, and Putin said, "That's right. That's right." And Putin has been dealing with the American government since 2000. I think it's very important to note as well. Bill Clinton said he's a very calculating and rational actor who can be trusted. George Bush said he met with Putin. I looked him, the man in the eyes and into his soul. I saw a good person. Obama constantly talked about the ridiculousness of treating Russia like an enemy and said how important it was that the U.S. and Russia partner on common goals. Trump, of course, wanted to have peace with Russia. He ran on that platform and was called a Russian agent for it. And then the Biden administration gets in after feeding the Democrats have been on six years of anti-Russian hatred because they blamed Putin for the 2016 election. They still think Hillary was the rightful winner and they only want loss because of Putin. And now suddenly Putin is the Nazi, Putin is Hitler. 
Putin is this great threat that nobody can trust, the epitome of evil, everything that the government never said about Putin, the opposite of what they said about him for 20 years. They turned on a dime when it suited their interest and got the entire media to think that Vladimir Putin was Hitler. With every American president prior to him was saying he was nothing of the kind. Think about how potent propaganda is that they can just rewrite history in an instant and get huge numbers of Americans to believe them. And what Putin is saying there is like, look, I've dealt with American presidents and they don't really have the power. They say they want to do things, but then the agencies, the CIA, the Pentagon, the State Department say you're not going to do that. And they don't. There's a permanent deep state that does not allow the elected president to do what they want. So here's the next passage. Tucker says, who blew up Nord Stream? And Putin says, you for sure. And Tucker said, well, I was busy that day. I don't think I blew up Nord Stream. Thank you, though. And Putin said, You're, you personally may have an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. Oh. And Tucker says, did you have evidence that NATO or the CIA did it? We don't, I don't know why we don't have Putin's response, but what Putin basically says is we haven't released evidence. So you can take that for what it's worth. He's the CIA who blew up Nord Stream 2. Of course, that was Seymour Hersh's reporting. And... When pressed on what the evidence is, he said there's things we can't release. So take that with the rain of salt, but it's certainly consistent with uh, Seymour Hersh's reporting. And at this point, who do you think blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? Who got damaged by that? The Germans and the Russians. Do you think the Russians blew up their own pipeline? And if it was the Ukrainians, do you think they would have done it without the Americans, their main patron and sponsor that they don't do anything without? There were a lot of other very interesting parts of this interview, including Putin describing. Um, should we keep going or no? Um, yeah, I had just three quick things in, in succession. So I think the next thing he's going to talk about is the Ukraine peace plan that was interrupted by Boris Johnson. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's worthy. And there's only, I'm looking at it upside down, but uh like less than three minutes left. So I I think it's probably worth it to, to just probably play the rest of it unless he does some sponsor thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely. All right, here we go. Good. Okay. Three, two, one. Close. He and Zelensky were how close he and the Ukrainians were to a peace agreement. He said that was why they pulled out of Ukraine, out of Kiev. And then the Americans and the British came in and put a stop to that peace deal, which has also been reported in many cases, including by the former Israeli president, Naftali Bennett, and many others. And he really talks a lot about the U.S.-Russia relationship. And as I said, Tucker devoted the last 10 to 15 minutes of the interview confronting Putin about the imprisonment of this Wall Street Journal uh, reporter, Evan Gosevich, who's imprisoned in Russia on charges of espionage. And... He basically appealed to Putin in multiple ways, imploring him to release him, saying he's a 32-year-old kid. No one thinks he's actually a spy, even if he violated some of your laws. He's not somebody who belongs in a Russian prison. He should be allowed to come home. Why will you let him come home? Vehemently arguing with Putin's justification for keeping him in prison, saying that we all know that he's just a hostage for you to get Russians back. Tucker confronted Putin in a way that no American journalist who would ever have the chance to confronts Joe Biden. Imagine an American journalist going to interview with Joe Biden and spending 10 or 15 minutes of the interview demanding that Julian Assange be released. It's inconceivable. 
so they were all mocking Tucker beforehand as some kind of Russian asset. And I think he did more to extract meaningful information. And I don't suggest you should believe everything Putin says. You should not. He's the president of a country involved in a war. Every country in wars uh, emits propaganda. You should treat those claims with skepticism, want to see evidence for it. But there's a lot of what he said that is well substantiated that we've talked about before here that we've reported. And of course, it all gets called Russian disinformation because it's adversarial to the U.S. government. So I really recommend that you watch this interview. If for no other reason, then clearly power centers in the West do not want you to see it to the point that they're thinking about making it criminal and illegal. But if you're going to think about whether you support a war against a foreign country, I think it's very important to hear from the leader of that country, explain the perspective that is much different than the one you're going to get if you're a citizen of the West where they tried to ban RT, they tried to ban Sputnik, and they even tried to make interviews with Vladimir Putin criminal. Okay. Yeah. Um, everybody's you got thoughts. You, the, you wonder why the oh, rural counties in Oregon want to secede. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah, this is why Texas put in their constitution that they could succeed. Secede, sorry. Um but, There's nothing in our right. constitution that says you can't. Mm-hmm. There never was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Kate, let's get back to you for just, uh, um, yeah, until you're done. And then we'll yeah. bring in Lily and Bobby. Sure. Um, we have one more clip that would be really good to talk about and listen to. And that okay. is um, the the clip that says Putin on Canada's parliament honoring former Nazi uh, Yaroslav Hunka. So mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. whole, oh, that, know, yeah, the exchange since the beginning that denazification is one of the main objectives. So, sorry, yeah, just pointing out that Nazism is still a force in the West and, hey, what's going on? Why is Canada saying this is a great guy who killed Russians and who was a Nazi war criminal. So, uh, how right, could, right. So, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, uh, here we go, three, two, one. The Canadian Parliament introduced a man who, as the Speaker of the Parliament said, fought against the Russians during the World War II. Well, who fought against the Russians during the World War II? Hitler and his accomplices. It turned out that this man served in the SS troops and personally killed Russians, Poles, and Jews. The SS troops consisted of Ukrainian nationalists who did this dirty work. The president of Ukraine stood up with the entire parliament of Canada and applauded this man. How can this be imagined? Hi, my SS is Do you mind if I just sit for a second and grab my paperwork? That's the... Next video that's playing, it's the nursey nurse, nursery nurse. So not the end of the Tucker <laughs> uh, clip, but that that's crazy. You guys know about Operation Paperclip, right? Oh, of course. Come on. Yeah. If this your first day, awaited it. Well, I mean, come on. How many Americans <laughs> don't? And it's not their fault. It's like, how could you learn about this stuff if you're trying to, you're so busy trying to survive? And then you got the debate, should we go to war or should we not? How about can, can we just pay our rent and go to work and just take care of our families and just chill? Right, I mean, what is this right. like? You go to work, you're taxed, right? 
and then they do whatever they want with it, including instigate war. Why? Well, because companies like Lockheed are allowed to bribe Congress to make war so Lockheed can make money to pay for these extravagant campaigns that cost like a billion dollars, and you get to hear these commercials of how awesome the senator is going to be for like a year, and people are just yeah. trying to work. They're just trying to survive. Yeah, right. This, this they are. Yeah. Good point. A good connection about Project Paperclip and the fact that the CIA was found by Nazis. So it would seem that we're kind of still in World War II in a way. This is Here's a, a continuation. You. You're going to love this. My grandpa was in the OSS before it was the CIA. So actually doing like commando stuff in what is honestly today Serbia, the Balkans, right? He had a cover story. They, they, my uncle Frank found this stuff that it was declassified what was actually going on. And I feel bad for my cousin Nick because the cover story was he was in the 82nd Airborne and he never was. And my cousin Nick busted his ass to be in the 82nd Airborne and goes, hey, Grandpa, I'm just like you. I was in the 82nd Airborne. Grandpa's laughing. I was never in it. But anyway, after the war is when the OSS changed to the CIA. It's just kind of interesting how basically if, if you pick on the right person, the only reason why all those Nazis were given amnesty and such was because they agreed to show our government how to use the toys they had vented during the war against the Russians. We got like 95% of the scientists. Russia got like 5%. And, and we're not just team. talking, you know, like uh, medical scientists. We're, you know, we're talking, you know. Uh, uh, V-1 what, rockets, um, air- V-2 rockets. Yeah, exactly. Engineers. Yeah, space. Yeah, exploration. You know, all kinds of scientists. All kinds of them. So like NASA, it wasn't an mm-hmm. American space program so much as Werner von Braun came over to here. And to, to be honest, it's pretty sad when you got a guy like Nixon, who's actually worse than the Nazis. The only reason we're not colonizing Mars past that Saturn as of today was because Nixon canceled what von Braun wanted to do to make the space shuttle so we could spy on the then Soviet Union better. It's kind of crazy that, I mean, the whole situation breaks down with, it really starts to get bad with Nixon. Wow, wow. Well, okay. All right. That's totally arguable. And I would, I want to get into that debate so badly. Um, And we still have an hour and uh, change. So uh, let's just finish up the conversation about the, um, you know, uh, about the current topic, right? We'll talk about the interview. And no, no, you're totally fine. We love your information. We love your you know, where you want to bring this conversation. And that's kind of really what this show's about is that we let it lead where it goes, except for when we have like special, you know, topics. And I think we're getting, we might have one more clip, maybe not, but this is pretty much the end of this segment. And then we can go wherever we want as far as. If Lily has any clips that she wants to share. Yeah. yeah. I'll just say, yes, this whole project paperclip, it's pretty weird. And having Trudeau, give a standing ovation to a Nazi war criminal for the fact that he fought against the Russians when mm-hmm. Russians fought side by side with us against Hitler, us meaning the, the allies, right? More yes, Russian right. side than anybody on record. I think it's about 20 million, but the Russians always try to save face and it could be up to 50 million. 
this mm-hmm. is ho- the, their biggest holiday, the day when all the people carry photos of their loved ones on the street and celebrate their ancestors who died in World War II. That's their biggest holiday. They all have family members that died in World War II. It's very important to them. It really, really reduced their population. This is a big deal. And for us to say, like, oh, yeah, you're an ally. Well, actually, they got to Berlin first. So they kind of won World War II for us. They did. But still we're saying, sorry, you guys are the stepchild. <laughs> you're, the, you're the lesser person. We're the bigger mm-hmm better, special people who need to police the entire world and just really condescending and not treating Russia as an equal or with any kind of respect. So it's all really woven in there and very interesting. And thank you for giving a little background on Project Paperclip and bringing that up because that's a great point. It's so important. Yes, yes, and yes. There's more that I can get into another time about the West Nazi connections that has been covered by the gray zone extensively. And I wish I had that at my fingertips, but maybe I can find a little bit of it while Lily's talking, if she has anything else to contribute. I know she already kind of gave her redux, but maybe Mm -hmm. she has something she'd like to focus on a little more. Absolutely. Lily, are you there? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm sorry, oh, that was Can you me. hear me now? I can't hear you yes. now. You had some background noise when I was playing the last clip, so I just put you... Anyway, I'm sorry. Yes, hello. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was trying to make dinner, because it's like we have a time difference, so it's 6.45 here, so I have to like make dinner sometimes during the show, so I apologize about the noise. I do, too, and just like 30 seconds or less, my children are making dinner tonight. I'm so excited. Like they've decided they're making breakfast and they're making pancakes, bacon and eggs, um, and which will be ready as soon as this show is done. So I totally empathize. We've, I often I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I got to go. Um, I got to go get the chicken out of the oven real quick, but keep going with this conversation. Right. Um, uh, so I totally get it. Um, but back to you. The only thing that I, would like to add, because I really do love the whole conversation of about Operation Paperclip and Nixon and all of that is fascinating to talk about. But um, in the interview clip that you were playing when he said that he didn't have a response from Putin or something really about the Nord Stream and talking about their evidence, I thought was he kind of glossed over, I thought, a really important part where actually Putin starts talking about how they do have evidence. And they can spotlight that for the world, but it doesn't necessarily matter because since the United States owns all of the media and has arguably the largest propaganda war machine, that it wouldn't necessarily matter if they brought forward all of that evidence or not because nobody would be allowed to see it. And he specifically talked about how even United States military analysts openly talk about, you know, like the United States CIA blowing up Nord Stream. And so everybody kind of has agreed that it was the United States that did it. Um, But it doesn't matter, as he says, because we have all of the propaganda and we own 
nearly all of the media. And so, you know, like nobody really is allowed to see all of that information, nor would it really like do anything. And I just thought that that was kind of the key part of his interview, you know, like that we hadn't really talked about. But in the show, we talk about the Mockingbird media a lot that, you know, was like an interesting part to highlight. Have you kind of ever heard the Matt Orfala? His, his, I'm so sorry, I can't think straight. It's, it's his compilation of all the people talking about how much they want to bomb Nord Stream and how that's going to happen and how great that is. Have you guys heard that? No. No. Can I send that to you and we can just play that really fast? It is so. Please. So great. Sure. Okay, I'm just yeah. gonna. I think I, I might have, but yeah, do it for sure. Yeah, you probably have because you should <laughs> and you will. And it's good for just it. audio, not video. It's say that again. It's good. Like we don't. Uh, it's not. Um, this is good for like audio, right? Audio. Not... Okay. Cool. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. There will be. Whoops. Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, three, two, one. Longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. But how will you how will you do that? I promise you, we'll be able to do it. I mean, we'd have to conclude without the evidence that it's most likely Russia. Russian sabotage on its own infrastructure. It's a common sense matter. I think it's Putin's way of sending a message. What Putin is saying to us by blowing up his pipeline is, look, I can blow up a pipeline. Everyone knows that Putin did this himself. It's closest thing to a smoke. Yeah, I think logic and common sense will tell you that without the evidence, Russia was behind the incident. We can say it for sure. Who sabotaged the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Russia. Is that audio okay, guys? I can hear it. Yeah, Yeah, I can hear it. Okay. I love the certainty, and I appreciate the insight. Yeah, there's exactly uh, one country on that list of suspects, Brad, um, and R- Russia would Russia would be it. It's hard to imagine others with a significant motive, but uh, we will bring it in. Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Who did it? What a mystery. One way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not but it remains unclear who could have been behind the Nord Stream pipeline leaks. Make explicitly clear to anyone involved with constructing this pipeline that the consequences of doing so are catastrophic. Who would do something like this? I mean, that offers tremendous strategic opportunity. We still don't know who caused. Um, I, I think we can. Maybe it, yeah, it, you. It's it's hard because you're not seeing the faces like one of those. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, voices exactly. with Victoria Newland, and that's really right. Important, I was going to say, wait, that, that was Victoria Newland. You know, like exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, her saying, one way or another, the Nord Stream pipeline will not move forward. And then, who bombed the Nord Stream pipeline? There's exactly one suspect, and it's Russia. Oh, really? Yeah, They're right. going to bomb their own pipeline? Like, right. Half force at the bottom of the tower, if you can believe that. Say that again? The passports at the bottom of the towers, if you can believe that. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's the same yes. kind of thing. It, it, yeah, we got we to gotta see it. It's unrealistic. Um, exactly. Um, condescend makes us 
sound like we're we, we would have to be idiots sense. to believe it. If if Russia was making money selling oil and gas to Germany, why would they bomb their own money? Yeah, that's just one of the questions. You know what I mean? Like, There's why so, would you do that? Yeah. Who did not know on day one? Um, I would people who were vaccinated did not know it. Double masks didn't know. Um, you know, where's yeah, exactly like where's a mask in their house with a seatbelt on their couch while they're watching CNN, you know, those right. kind of people are the ones that actually believe this. But I think the majority of the people are already awake enough to know that um, this is all just a, a, another play, another show, you know, and that. Yeah. So totally. I, I think we're all on the same page with that. Um, Lily, do you want to wrap up the um, the Putin interview conversation um, and then we'll just let the conversation go wherever it goes? Well, I'm not sure. I apologize if I am interrupting, but I just want you to know that I'm also in process of getting together this clip from the gray zone about the prevalence of Nazi ideology in the World Economic Forum and Davos today. I'm just working that, on that. No, that's that going to happen. <laughs> Let's do that. Can we do that next week? Can we do that next Sunday? You can. I just kind of wanted to insert this little bit of information about Nazism in Ukraine, but we could just focus on that next week if you want to. Because it's a I whole, can, like, it's a whole segment. I, you know, like, I, I really, I've got even enough content for a whole segment on, um, yeah, Nazi, Nazism in Ukraine, like the Azov Battalion, all of that stuff. I, I think it would make a really fascinating whole segment on its own, you know? Sure. Yeah, I might have like two minutes that I am falling in love with the idea of sharing, but we, we can always Yeah, no problem. Well. No, please do it. It'll be a good okay. teaser for, for next week. Okay, and sorry for interrupting. No, 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 it's fine. Oh. Mm. Uh, is it in the green room? Hello. Should, is it in the I should apologize again for not watching the show, but I was at work. I know I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, you should definitely listen and contribute as much as you want for any show. Like, you're welcome back at, at any time. And please I mean, stay the for the rest. I the Tucker Carlson thing with Putin, because I, I admired Putin before that. I mean, could you imagine... I, I, why am I hearing there was a law in Ukraine that if you spoke Russian in Ukraine after that funny coup in 20, that you could be executed. Could you imagine the response from the United States if, say, tourists in Mexico were told, if you speak English in Mexico, we'll kill you? How would we react? Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Well, and just the brutality in the Ukraine of all the horrendous human rights violations and things that they've done to Russian people and Slavic people and Hungarian people living there is just absolutely atrocious. Believe it or not, there's a lot of Ukrainians in this area that, yes, I get the refugees. I mean, I get that. And I'm not going to bring it up what's going on over there because, I mean, I have low common sense, but it's not that low, you know. But there's a there's a very high Ukrainian population here now, and it didn't 
used to be like that. It's just interesting how world events kind of force them here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now they're deporting in some places so that they can join the military over there because they're running out of they're running out of soldiers. They don't have enough people. That's when Americans are really going to care is if they start a draft or something and try to say, you have to fight over there. You have to send your son or daughter or whatever. Your brother has to go over there to perpetuate this madness. That's, that's when stuff's really going to hit the fan. Yeah, hopefully it won't get to that point, but I think that's what some people want to build up to for sure. Well, there was video footage of U.S. military personnel that went to Ukraine to help and quickly realized that they were defending Nazis, and they kept deleting the the live streams and, you know, like the videos that these soldiers made. But it was extremely telling, and for a while they got locked in the Ukraine, like they were not allowed to leave and it was a huge mess for some of the United States military personnel that got stuck over there. Do you remember also that the mercenaries having a discussion? I think it what was that group called Mozart or something like that. There was Wagner on the Russian side, and then there was the other composer that was the name of the Western mercenaries. And they were talking about this too like they knew that they were not necessarily on the right side here's something fascinating because like i get they're using some of the best tanks from the world over there right those uh leopard twos from germany and such i understand how high tech they really are but here's the question let's let's have some poor ukrainian guy who doesn't really know what's going on but he's caught in corruption sit in one of the best tanks in the world with absolutely no training whatsoever. Not not mm-hmm. the way you would be trained if you were a German, like, waiting for a Russian invasion. It's completely different, right? Let's go offensively attack the Russian line. We're going to attack a country with the greatest record as a, as a defensive fighting force against such offensiveness with no minesweepers, no defense against helicopters or drones, then these tanks are destroyed. Never mind that there's somebody's brother in there, right? Then you got to go whine to the American taxpayer. We need more tanks. We ran, yeah, and we guess ran out of money. We have to buy more German tanks. That's just weird. They don't even have that many. They don't have enough. And you know what Scott Ritter says about an untrained office, uh, untrained soldier in a tank. What's an untrained soldier in a tank? It's a guy in a coffin. That's what Basically. that tank is. It's a coffin. If you don't know how to operate that, you're dead. No amount of weaponry is going to help you if you're not a professional soldier and you don't know what you're doing. Mm. It's vile. I, I just don't understand. But, like, Americans don't really understand what's going on because they seem to think, like, CNN is real. Really? It's not. Right. Yeah. And we're up against that, too. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all just a big mess. And then um, I think one thing that nobody um, commented on is that it was a long interview, so forgive me if I if I'm wrong. But didn't Putin say something like, you know, there there have been five thousand children go missing from Ukraine. War began. Yeah. Like, 
Well, I mean, that to me is the most important part of the of the whole interview is that, you know, this war exposed um, the biggest um, child sex trafficking ring hub in the world. And everybody just shrugs it off and thinks Victoria Newland should just be a professor now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is there any is there anybody who believes that that lady was not involved in the trafficking of these children? Um, I I seem to remember just really quickly. Um, I, I when I was still a um, very much under the neoliberal spell, I was was when I was having children, and um, and and I remember um, really believing that um, these. TLC lifetime whatever stories about an adoption story where all of it, you know, all of a sudden there was just like this string of stories about Ukraine adoptions. Like would it was a whole plane load of, of moms or parents going to adopt American parents going to adopt um, orphans Mm -hmm. in Ukraine. And I was like, Oh God, love them. You know, but I mm-hmm. think for seeing they flaunt this stuff. It's not just the biggest human trafficking, um, child sex trafficking hub in the world. They, they have to tell us. And so they advertise all the time, uh, you know, when, even when it comes to these, you know, TLC shows that everybody, for women that everybody watched back in the day um, and just right out in the open, just showing children that had been child sex trafficked. It's just amazing how prevalent this mm. is. And the fact that uh, Putin brought it up, that 5,000 children have gone missing since the war started, um, mm-hmm. is is a topic into itself. You know what I mean? Wow, I would love to hear that. For some reason, that went over my head. I would bet almost anything that the Russian people are far less tolerant to child trafficking than our government seems to be. I can guarantee you. Well, our government uses trafficking to control its players. Correct. One nation under blackmail. How about uh, Joe Biden? I like when children sit on my lap and stroke my blonde leg hairs and he's talking to children. That's not too creepy, is it? He's smelling them. They have to tell us. You know, I've said this about 100,000. I think I've said they have to tell us more than I've said seeds of change on this show. So they, these are all examples of how, you know, it's, they do this stuff in plain sight. It's right there. Everybody can see it. But it is a, it, also an edifying to them sign that people don't see it. They laugh at us. You know, that's, you know, they, they, hmm. they follow their own rules and they put it out and they show us and they tell us and then they laugh at us when they steal our children, honestly. How about that wow. word conspiracy theorist, the most intellectually dishonest word in the history of mankind. So if you have any critical thinking skills whatsoever, you're a conspiracy theorist. Right. When you tell them the history yeah. of the story of conspiracy theorists and then they still don't get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's used like, as a smear invented by the CIA. The exactly. term was coined just to Thank make you. people shut up, not question mm-hmm. institutions. 
which, by the way, started in the 1950s with Senator McCarthy and his communist hunt. Gee, who hated communists more than anyone else? I don't know. Maybe Hitler's Nazis. Hmm. Hmm. Kind of like I had when not the, heard of that before. Yeah, the OSS changed to the CIA. Uh, they pretty much decided, uh, hey, wait a minute, some of these German tactics really worked. I wonder how they worked, and they found out and started using them. Get mad at the communists. Get mad at the Russians. Get mad at the Chinese. Get mad at anybody but our own elite. It's never us. It's always somebody else. Yeah, Amen. just invent a bunch of words and divide people up. Don't don't uh, address the elephant in the room of corruption. Right, right. And not honoring people. I got a question for Danielle, just like out of curiosity. Okay. Because I've heard horror stories about the homelessness in this in San Francisco and other cities, and I heard San Diego wasn't quite as bad. What's the truth on that, anyway? It's pretty bad. Um, I, I can tell you that um, we, uh, I live in Point Loma, um, which is in, I guess, South San Diego or Bay Area, area San Diego. Um, we pay $3,300 a month for a three-bedroom because we got it a few years ago. Um, and every day, virtually. We have to play is this dog shit or human shit game while we walk our dog. Interesting. It's bad. Ironically here, I mean, I'm not going to say there isn't homelessness, and I'll say I was homeless for a year, but it's got nothing to do with what you might think it was. Uh, It's not, it's here, but it's not like that bad. There's people that hang around supermarkets and there's, you know, certain, I'll tell you what, alcohol is really bad in Cleveland. I mean, other towns have worse problems like heroin, but alcohol has always been the worst problem in Cleveland out of all the substances. You guys heard of Elliot Ness? This is great. You know, the guy who is busting people in prohibition, he runs for mayor, right, in the 40s. He gets pulled over drunk driving. He lost bad, but I'm just saying. Oh, that's hilarious. I thought I'd heard his name maybe in a rap song or two. Um, no, no, no. Elliot Ness, you know, the government says, oh, pro- alcohol is the evil of everything and prohibition is illegal as if an adult has another the right to tell another adult what they may or may not do to themselves. But obviously it failed miserably. It's just kind of interesting how the level of hypocrite, you give a guy a badge and say, oh, here, go, go be a special prosecuting force for this law that Congress passed or whatever. The abuse of power and the corruption is just incredible to me. Why it's tolerated, I really think it's just because people are too busy surviving. They don't have time to really think about it. That's true. That's true. Um, hmm. Lots to think about. Here's um, another question for you guys. Because, I okay. mean, we're, we're, we're talking about Russia and Putin and all that. How come, I mean, I get, I get why no one's talking about Israel, because we're all buddy-buddies and APAC and the corruption with that. But how about Turkey? Like, everyone's like, oh, how come, you know, Nazis get to run around in Ukraine and they're all buddy-buddy and all this? And you're, they brought up the Eastern Orthodox thing. And really, Serbia, somewhat, the Yugoslavia thing was a little bit about, Eastern Orthodox versus Muslim versus Roman Catholic. That's, that, that had a lot to do with it. 
religion has always been the number one stupid reason that one man would kill another. The top reason, to be honest. But here's a question. How come Turkey decided that their Armenian population were undesirables, right? So they marched them off in the desert, an area they couldn't possibly survive in, and, and nobody's really talking about Turkey at all. That weird president, Erdogan, that decided that uh, the Eastern Orthodox were all traitors to his country and he expelled them all. They had been there for centuries. I thought secular humanism was a thing. I thought that was a value of Western democracy, that you can believe whatever you want as long as you leave someone else alone, pretty much, and let them believe whatever they want. What happened to that? Um, same can be said for Yemen. <laughs> You know, like there's so many examples, you know. Um, So really, I think maybe your point is that especially with the conflicts going on in the Middle East right now that everybody's got a flag up over. um, Why aren't we talking about Yemen? Why aren't we talking about Turkey? Why aren't we talking about um, the the Uyghurs? You know, like it's not just um, a two state problem. It's all over the world. Some people just um, have better media coverage than others. Right. Here's another thought. That Erdogan weirdo, right, stages a coup, and then he's going to be the hero. Oh, look, I defeated my own coup. And now this is justification for why I have to be even more strict when it was all bullshit to begin with. Very similar to what happened here. It was a coup. Really? I mean, I, yeah, I still have to take my shoes off at the airport. I don't think any of us are, you know what I mean? I, I think there's always a reason to take back a little bit of the citizens' um, power, right? And so I think, honestly, like, and so we, I'm not going to play it again because we just played it again last week, but the story of your enslavement where there's always a group of, you know, of people since the time where, um, where people realized that, other people were controllable based on fear, right? Like that's been since that point, there have been other ways of controlling people, but that's fundamentally what it's based on is controlling people with fear. Um, And, and I think that that at the, at the beginning of all of it is, is the point is the reason that we're in the position that we're in now. So that's honestly like why part of the show for me is to have people not be afraid. I even, I've even had like a lot of Christians uh, call in and, and say, well, the Bible says this and, and Revelation says that and we're going to, you know, everybody's going to be, you know, so, fear, 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 fear. Right, right, right. But even to the Christians, I say, you know, honestly, if, you, if you're a Christian, you've got more reason than most to, to not be afraid because if you read the end of the book, the collective wins like the, the, you know, the like-minded, the uh, humanity wins at the end of it, um, at the end of the book. So, okay, next, what are you afraid of? If you, if that is truly what um, inspires you, moves you to be a Christian and to follow this set of rules, and I'm not talking about Christian, the religion, I'm talking about Christian, the spirituality of Christian. You know, because there's, because again, those organizations rule with fear, Catholicism, Christianity, um, a lot of the mainstream Christian beliefs 
um, rule with fear. Same with Jews. Same with same with every major religion where the uh, my, uh, where the majority is ruled by a minority of people. Whether you call it a government or a religion or whatever, it's still uh, a minority of people trying to rule with fear um, over the majority. And so that's the mentality, like taking all of the sides out of it, that's the mentality that I think humanity needs to embrace um, and fight against, not even fight against, but create something different away from that where the majority is in control of the majority rather a, a small handful of people being, you know, that can always be corrupted. That's really the end of the story is that when a minority of people control the majority, it's a small handful of people and it's always going to be corrupted. You can't corrupt the majority when it's in control of itself. That's a good so point. Ran, yeah. Mm. Rant over. It's here's hard a, though, a to have a majority in charge of itself. Exactly. Because people usually need somebody to speak for them because they're well, busy, they're doing things. <laughs> and how do you get a collective to rule? That's a question. the fallacy of communism. And one thing I wanted to say, somebody here had said that Stalin gave Ukraine away, but it was Lenin. I just wanted to make that distinction. Yeah, it was because Lenin. The Russian people still love Lenin. They still revere him. And they do not, I don't think, revere Stalin. <laughs> so, right. I think it's an right. important but, but that's com- but, but again, that's an ism. It's the same thing as religion, right? Anytime there's an ism, it means that they say, you know, it, in my opinion, it, any ism, socialism, capitalism, you know, Stalinism. You know who really started this? The classical idea of democracy comes from the Greeks, right? Where big bad mm-hmm. Persia is invading Greece, right? And and the people voted, do we surrender or do we fight? That That's really the dawn of what people would think of secular humanism. It didn't matter what, to a Greek what color you were, what language you spoke. If you behave, you were welcome. That's it. Your you character paid the matters. money. There you go, right? You trade in peace, you behave, you're Greek, right? The Romans later, however, the idea of self-improvement changed. That was their highest ideal, the Greeks. They called it erte. It was you'd be 1% better than you were yesterday. That was the highest ideal. The Romans later, who betrayed and invaded the Greeks, their highest ideal was obedience to the state. And then you have people like Mussolini quoting as saying, I did not invent fascism. I simply copied the Romans. That's really where the nastiness starts. Yeah, well, right. I mean, the nastiness on some level. On, and we're talking about human ownership, right? And whether Correct. it's the, unless it's a religion that owns the humans or whether it's the state that owns the humans, I think that we can all agree that human ownership is bad. And that's really the, the awake, when I talk about an awakening, is when I talk about this kind of stuff, because when people start to realize that they don't need owners, then they question why they need the state, why they need the church, you know, why do I need to go even like kind of the same thing, 
like um, there's a reason I think that the ballot box and confession are both done behind closed doors, right? Because you have to go in and submit yourself to a state or a, or a, a you know, or a man who claims to right. represent. Yeah, it, it, but that is human ownership either way we look at it. And and honestly, like I did run for office, so this has been quite the awakening for me. But what also I've been doing since I ran for Congress is getting chickens, you know, and, and starting a farm and learning how to make my own bread and um, how to preserve my own food and, and how to grow my own food um, and how to, how, how to grow food for the rest of the, um, of my city. Right. This is like, I, you know, I've said this many times before on the show, but I live in San Diego. It's basically Eden. We can grow anything anytime we want. Um, I have a, a, li- a literal tomato forest in my backyard that doesn't die. Nice. It just keeps going and going and recreates itself, right? What I'm doing right now is I'm taking back my resources that everybody has given up to the government or the church or the mm-hmm. fill-in-the-blank-ism, right? And that, yeah. so, again, once we, as the people, start turning our backs on the system, not saying to do anything illegal, but do everything you can to make sure you don't go hungry if you can't go to the grocery store, you know, taking back food, news, and health has, has been mm-hmm. my mission, right? And, yeah. and we, can, we can talk about the history of this, and we should, and how we got into this mess, but I think we should also spend time talking about how to fix it and, and teaching people how to fix it. And that gets a little tedious sometimes. It's, it, get, it gets a little repetitive sometimes. But, right. you know. But it's I, profound. It gets you. What else if you there? want to fix it, you cannot vote your way in or out of anything. You can't do Here's it. Here's a question. Let's What's go that? back to the, the, the attitude, the Greek attitude. There's nothing better than to improve yourself. In other words, mm-hmm. I don't need to sit around and, and beg whose slave should I be. Take, take ownership of yourself and do it. You know what I mean? So many people are like, it, I hate to say the word sheeple, but I will. Who's going to save me? From what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I need somebody to Correct. save me from this scary thing and that scary thing. The problem is the fear itself. The Greeks at the time enjoyed the golden age. The Romans heralded the dark ages with that obedience to the state crap. Are you sure we're still not in the dark ages? I, we are in the dark ages because okay. the British, New dark ages. the English mm-hmm. copied Roman law. They're all proud of it, right? We copied Roman law and we're all civilized and stuff. Really? Why don't we ask the Irish about that? And then... Yeah. We had our own little revolution, but basically we're copying British law, only there were different – the leadership was a little different. And I do give them credit because the whole uh, – the, the uh, Sparta had two kings, and they kind of copied that, the, the, the great compromise with we have a Senate and a House of Representatives, that there should – Sparta used to have two kings. That's where they got the idea of it. So if the one got a little screwy, you had the other one to balance it out. I give the founders credit on that one. That was pretty brilliant to copy the Greeks in a lot of ways. Not 100%. They copied the Iroquois Confederacy, too. But It's quite the experiment. Yes. Yes, and better, also, better than the English don't system, forget, yeah. 
don't forget that Alexander Hamilton sold us back to the Bank of England after the revolution. We became under the thumb once again of the Bank of England, which is the predecessor of the current banking cartels that run the world right now. So basically, nice shot, Aaron Burr, right? (laughs) (laughs) I heard personally that uh, Hamilton was a nice guy to be around and Aaron Burr wasn't. Like, you know, kind of gruff, but at the same token, you can't really judge a book by its cover, can you? Well, and here he is being worshipped in this musical, whereas Andrew Jackson, who tried to have independence from the Bank of England, is vilified in the musical Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. Like, what? (laughs) Like, our... I'll just put on my tinfoil hat right now and say, wow, the musical industry is not immune from being a school of propaganda. Okay, I'm just going to put on my tie hat right now and say rings within rings within rings. Every, you know, the the musical industry, the uh, entertainment industry, the political industry, they all kind of like touch each other in in yeah. um you know in, in that kind of way it's it's not there's not one thing that besides maybe the um uh what's it called the 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 fire preserve like the the firefighters in the forest you know what whatever that mm-hmm. organization is maybe maybe they're still pure but i doubt it <laughs> you know um mm-hmm. every other one is uh linked yeah, to yeah probably the fire pre- firefighters aren't I'm putting all my chips down on the forest. Especially, Danielle, you have that beautiful dog, right? The German Shepherd? Absolutely. She's right behind me, actually. For for all those stories about how police are abusing their power and all the blue ones are evil and all that, I seem to remember when I had my German Shepherd, and you could see his picture in my profile, right? Mm -hmm. I was busy doing something. And he was let out. Normally, he won't go anywhere. And who I was with at the time was yelling at him, but she had laryngitis, and she couldn't yell at him, right, to come back, right? He was darting right for the street, and a cop at personal risk stopped traffic to save my dog. So it's almost like if you judge people as individuals as opposed to, oh, they're all evil, we might get back to individualism and the classical Greek idea of self-improvement and judging and humanity and community. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's really gonna... Go ahead, Kate. What do people think about this Taylor Swift phenomenon? Suddenly the Super Bowl is all about Taylor Swift, um, her new boyfriend slash fiance. And they both did she do a Biden. halftime show? I didn't want I it. I think she's just there to support her boyfriend or fiance or whatever. Oh no, it's I, never just about that. I, I don't even think anybody actually cares. I think they made up the narrative that only the MAGA right is all afraid of her and stuff. And I think it's all manufactured just to generate hype and look how evil the MAGA people are. And like, Wait, <laughs> uh, question was she, was she in the Mickey Mouse Club? I don't think so. Not is that he, I know of. Is he related in some way? I don't know. Hmm. Hollywood related for sure. Well, she's beautiful. She's, she's monarch. Come on. I don't have to really well, spell it out. 
if you want, yeah, MKUltra, MK if you watch her fake documentary, Miss Americana, they show her a grown woman in her 30s crying and telling her parents that she's going to vote Democrat and, like, that she really wants their approval and for them not to be mad at her. And it's just such profound propaganda and meddling. If her followers are young people, teenage girls, I would imagine, like around 15, 15 15-year-olds in this documentary. And also in the documentary, she says, I needed to get away from the spotlight. I just needed time to think about things and, and have time away from the spotlight for me. And so... Ta-da, now I'm an activist. Can well, either of you two, like, name the anti-war the party? You're not out of the spotlight. You're being followed by a bloody camera and a camera crew. Let's be real here. This is <laughs> propaganda. This is completely is. fake. Um, I, the only anyway. anti-war party that, I'm sorry, to answer Bobby's question, the only anti-war party I know of right now doesn't have much traction yet, but it's the Emerald Party. Um, I don't even think that the Green Party is anti-war anymore. Oh, really? The Libertarians were kind of anti-war, too, because they wanted more choice, which I respect. But do you want to give people that already have capital enough to buy elections even more party? That's my hesitation with voting Libertarian. But the ideals I understand. Yeah, I remember Ron Paul was against interventionism yes. and that's the oh, yeah. problem is all the stupid intervention wars that really are none of our business you know what all empires have in common they all fell usually mm-hmm. in. to think that we are not an empire is pretty I don't know naive so, so the people that want to preserve the empire because it's uh, critical to their wealth are going to do so at all costs, but they're actually going too far, and it's actually costing them to do so now, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I got. I wanted to share something that I saw on Facebook. I'll just share a tiny bit of it. Edited from the, an original post by Jordan Levesque. I don't know who that is. This is probably going to tick some people off, and I hope it does. But I'm going to keep on sharing it and saying it. And once again, I am not a Swifty, but I am a human being, a dad, and a monstrous football fan. I am extremely disappointed in so many of you who think that not being a fan of someone means you're entitled to shit all over them. I want to remind you of something. Your children are watching you complain about Taylor Swift sitting at a football game being happy and cheering for a man she loves in what appears to be a very loving, respectful relationship. Your children are watching you judge a woman for literally just existing and taking up space. And you know what? Ms. Swift has won 324 awards. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, do better, people. Teach your boys to respect women. Teach your girls that as women, they are allowed to take up space. Fix it. Become aware of your words because we all have the ability and the obligation to fight the future of, for the future of our children with simple moments. And we need to consciously choose to be better for them. <laughs> with, and then somebody posted below that. And this is sorry, 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 but 
these are the like people who used to be in charge of the Denver Center, the great big um, theater complex here. And that's who's posting this. Donovan Marley's the one responding. He was a big part of the Denver Center. Because Republican fascists are terrified that Taylor Swift will mount a get out the vote campaign, they are desperately trying to smear her in hope of blunting her impact in the 2024 election. Trumpers are justifiably terrified of Taylor Swift. When we asked your fans to register to vote, thousands responded instantly. If there is a 5% increase in the 18- to 29-year-olds over, the, over their 2020 vote, the Republicans will lose across the country and down the ballot. The Republican Party knows this, and so does Taylor Swift. What? Wow, i got a question for that guy. If he's into strong women, then he should truly be outraged at what happened to Gina Carano then, shouldn't he? Oh, yes. <laughs> Good point. But that's okay, because Disney has gone so far and committed so much fraud, and they're in so much trouble. I guess uh, Bob Iger tried to shit on Elon Musk and bribe him with money, and now Musk is supporting Gina Carano's lawsuit. He's paying for it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's excellent. It's only – it's like what is convenient? It's convenient to believe all women when they're women that we want to promote. If it's somebody saying something bad about our guy, then mm, maybe we shouldn't listen. Oh, yeah. Then, then we should Need say that uh, she, she's anti-Semitic. She, she made, like, robot noises after playing in Star Wars. That's all she said. Beep, bop, boop. Wow, that's, that's anti-gay and that's anti-Semitic and that's beep, bop, boop. That's what she said. That's literally what's in the post. Uh-oh. That's crazy. <laughs> it's that gone so, so crazy weird. that, like, they they got to be careful. You'd think they would have learned from 2016. If you tell the American people it's the lesser of two evils and you run Hillary Clinton, don't be surprised at what happens in states like Ohio. Mm. You well, know, the ones that you absolutely need? Uh, yep. Yeah, um, California and um, Colorado are both states that don't really matter in the political fear of things when it, when it comes to, like, we're not going to move any kind of needle in, in these very captured states by the Democrats. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I guess voting as a strategic thing is kind of off the table for, for states like us, especially like Colorado right now, like coming out in the lead <laughs> with the whole, no, we just hate Trump. Even California was like, whoa, whoa, we can't, mm Ooh, we can't really keep him off the ballot. You know, that that was California being like, oh, oh sorry, Colorado. I, you know, can't do it. Right now. Two states they right. absolutely need to win is Ohio and Florida. How's that looking? Well, I mean, Florida is definitely Trump. I don't know. Ohio will go for whoever, you know, who, whoever is best for their wallets. And like, yeah, I mean, you got these people, all MAGA people, horrible, awful people. Let me bring up my dad for a second. He did four tours in Vietnam on purpose. He's got seven medals. He was a decorated cop. He's got a bronze star that you only get for bravery. But because he picked Trump over Hillary Clinton, he's just a MAGA person. He's just some slob that sits on a couch and, you know, eats a bunch of crap all day and and drinks moonshine and, and just shoots his gun just to shoot. No, yeah. no. That, mm-hmm. that narr- I don't understand that narrative at all. 
almost like we've it, gotten away from individualism. Well, right. That definitely, definitely. But um, I think individualism is like putting everybody in, in little boxes. Um, what, what we are facing, I think, right now is um, the height of cancel culture, that if you don't believe the way that I believe, Correct. we yeah. want your family to starve. Like that's the kind of warfare that we're up against now. But what is that about? I mean, cancel culture, cancel culture is being used as a tool of potentially a totalitarian state or a push for totalitarianism. For sure. That's like, that's my argument. Like the, like the social, what is it called in China? Social credit system? Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I, I follow you. You know what's funny One other about thing I wanted to mention. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. One other thing I wanted to mention that I was watching. Sometimes I follow this guy on YouTube called Dr. Todd Grand or Grande. I try not to because he started doing darker and darker stuff. But he's a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and he analyzes stuff that's in the news, mostly true crime. But, but then he analyzed. Joe Biden having those documents and the DOJ report. So basically, sounds like he's saying that Joe Biden is being excused from culpability because of his, he's an elderly man with a poor memory. So he's got cognitive issues, so he can't be responsible for what he's done. But like, if that's what the judge is arguing, then this should not be the president. How come Correct. people aren't more outraged about this? Is not this is this not the weirdest thing you've ever heard of? Yeah, Bobby. One second. Um, I believe that this is the reason, not the only reason, but one of the reasons they they put in a a geriatric unit at Guantanamo. But go ahead, Bobby. No, I was just. Uh thinking about China because someone said the word China. Remember how we were supposed to be all afraid of them too and China's going to take over and let's go to war with China and all that? China has problems right now. You remember that one child rule that they came up with in the 70s? China's got yeah. way too many elderly and not enough young people to take care of them. China has more problems than they ever have had in their history. That's a huge problem. There are not enough people in the workforce. There are too many old people because, you, yeah, people aren't starving like they once were there, but that one-child policy really is not helping anything, not, not as of today, not as of 2024. Did they change that? I'm sure they had to have because, I mean, I, I, I've heard that young people I are, like, so. quitting their jobs and trying to take care of who they can, and the president's begging them, please come to work and all that. It's a hostile place mm-hmm. to try to work, and China is not like this huge threat that everyone wants to think it is. Mm-hmm. Also, they have organ harvesting camps with the Uyghurs, but go ahead. Oh. oh, and they have concentration camps for those that they don't like, but if Disney happens to be filming Mulan over there, that seems to be okay. We want diversity and inclusion unless we agree with China and we're trying to get into their audience. Then it's okay to have concentration camps. See how that works? The hypocrisy? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Kate, did you have want, want to add something? Oh, um, do you want to just play a tiny bit of that video that I sent you about Joe Biden? Department of uh, Justice labels Joe Biden an elderly man with a poor memory. Obviously, he's got to be a puppet. But it is interesting to think about that just regular people are openly talking about the fact that he's cognitively impaired and doesn't seem yeah, to be in control of his own faculties. Um, you sent it to the green room? I oh, believe so. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking now. Hold on. Sure. Sorry, no, I, I, I can't. Like a, a lot of them are. are up, it, it says eternal sunshine of the Biden mind. <laughs> Is that a play it's, on on that uh, Jim Carrey a, movie? Yeah, it sure is. I like that movie. Okay, I'm looking. I'm just going to just forward it. Just, yeah, send it again, because I I don't see it. That's hilarious. Just how can we get to this point where just regular people are saying he's mentally impaired, but yet we keep him in office? That is weird. And yet he controls our nuclear arsenal with a little black box. Wow, that's great. But then again, there's Putin talking about how presidents aren't really in charge in this country. In his no. perception, like so many have been so nice to him and connected with him on a human level and wanted to support Russia and then turned around and done the opposite. Because they're controlled by the warmongers, the apparatus. You mean the Nazis? Okay, do you, the real do you want me to start at the beginning? Um, you could, but you could also just start on his... He does like an analysis at the end. Let me see if he's got a time code that's... Maybe like around 10? And I'm sorry if this is not a great place to start. I will be... Figuring it out along with you. Yeah, no problem. Uh oh. Silence is not golden in a radio show, huh? Ah, well, <laughs> I could put on a commercial, but I'm a terrible producer. No, you're not. I think you're awesome. Well, I'm a good, I think I'm a good host. I'm a terrible well, producer. I think you're one of the greatest people that I happen to have on my Facebook list, to be honest with you. Oh. I'm kind of appalled at the stupid reasons that people block you. It's like, so you disagree with one thing. Let's just throw out math. And, like, you've been buddy-buddy for years, and then all of a sudden you block somebody. Yeah. I mean, oh, I can no. think about maybe four or five people I've ever blocked. And the one guy, all I said was, hi, how are you? And he kept making cat noises, and I don't know why it annoyed me that day, but that's one. Like... <laughs> The stupid reasons. It's supposed to be a secular nation. We're not supposed to agree. We're supposed to have debates and we're supposed to get along at the end of the day. I don't understand. I just don't understand. Why would you do it to Danielle, who actually ran for Congress and challenged the deep state? Most people are sitting on their ass, you know, watching something ridiculous on TV. Who knows what? Mainstream news, probably. We'll call that fantasy programming. Like, I just don't understand. Like, can't you have respect? I don't have to, like, 
love every single cop. Like the guys who strangled the dude in New York selling cigarettes illegally, whatever, and they strangle him to death. I don't have to love those cops. But why can't I have respect for the one that saved my dog? He went out of his way, personal risk, to save my dog. Bobby, they've also released body cam footage of that showing that they were doing a thing not on his neck but on his shoulder when you looked at footage from a different angle and that that was actually a part of their training manual and that nobody in their organization was standing up for these guys or, like, saying, look at this other footage. He's actually doesn't have his neck on this man's head or neck. He doesn't have his knee on his neck. You sit there and say, use your body cam or you lose your job. Just turn your cam on. Then, then, like, you can't be accused of anything. Look, that's what the guy did. You defended yourself and put him in handcuffs. What's the problem? Turn on your body cam. They're fighting for it now. And he's Derek Chauvin. Is that his name? He's been stabbed in prison. They're still fighting to get that out there and tell the truth. Speaking of truth. Right now, I'm also looking at your Facebook page and this thing you put up about no food or oil for Tucker because he exercised his First Amendment right. Exclusive Tucker Carlson could face sanctions over Putin interview, according to Newsweek. Well, well, think, that think, of my, think of my Obviously, page. Satire. Yeah, satire, well, exactly. Just because were, it's... A lot of people were saying that they shouldn't let him back in. Right. A lot of people were were saying they shouldn't let him back in the country. So I was just curious if Jimmy Dore said anything concrete about that. No, just jokes. And that's what I'm saying. Obviously, we've known each other long enough to know that I'm not on that that side of things. You know, I wish there was a satire font, you know, on Facebook because... I know, like... I try to No, but people I, are really trying to do that. I didn't think you I know. thought that. I just, I'm just like, Maybe it's what are they going to do to him? Soon. Sometimes I write sarcasm disclosure in parentheses just to be clear, <laughs> but if I miss it. Yeah. That could be why no, people block me sometimes. <laughs> because I say things no, like No, I didn't better. think that you were, I didn't think you were promoting that. I thought you were talking about the people who are trying to do that. Yes, yeah, for sure. I'm Good. making fun of it. Yes. So, do you do you want to play a little bit of that? Yeah. Did we have a but, um a timestamp? Okay, hold on. Pulling it up now again. So we can mm-hmm. just listen to his summary. Doctor Grande. Joe could not remember what year. What? I'm sorry. What's that? No, no, go ahead, because we were waiting. I was going to ask you guys a question, but let's play this first. Ten minutes, you said? Yeah. Okay, all right. Oh, stop it. Okay. Um, Here we go. I should interview Joe Biden, because that would settle the matter. I think this is a great suggestion. But as I mentioned, Joe Biden will not submit to a cognitive test. He doesn't like what Robert is saying, but he doesn't want to get someone neutral to make an assessment either. Is he really fighting bias or trying to conceal the truth? On the question of a cognitive test, his allies are once again not doing Joe any favors. They're offering a solution that Joe Biden has refused and thereby pointing out how this refusal is bizarre and unwarranted. Instead of Joe repeatedly telling people his memory is good, only to forget something important moments later, he should simply take a cognitive test. 
As far as the appropriateness of Robert making the assessment, he never claimed to be a mental health professional. Robert's discussion of Joe's memory was directly related to the difficulty that the cognitive problems presented in moving forward with the prosecution. Robert had a right to mention what he observed. Otherwise, how would he have supported his decision not to prosecute? Was it possible that Robert was playing politics a little bit? Of course, he probably was to some extent, but that doesn't make his observations incorrect or invalid. He pointed out the same thing that many other people have said on both sides of the aisle. Joe Biden appears to have cognitive functioning difficulties. Item number four, what do I think happened in this case? This is just a theory, my opinion. President Joe Biden is a likable and relatively honest man, but he simply doesn't have the cognitive abilities to be president. He no longer has the insight to recognize his own failings, so he's never going to declare himself incompetent. His story from now on will always be something like, I know what I'm doing, my memory is fine, and stop asking me to take a cognitive test, even though that request is perfectly reasonable and appropriate. In between making these statements, he will continue to forget important items. This will serve as a constant and sobering reminder of his cognitive limitations. At this point, at least in my opinion, it's clear that Joe Biden should not run for re-election. Some people argue that he should not even finish his current term. I don't know about going that far quite yet, but Joe is certainly testing the patience of the public. Every time he speaks, he only increases the level. Now moving to my final thoughts. What a terrible choice Americans must make as far as selecting the next president. They can pick Joe Biden, who has not committed crimes, but may not remember them if he did. Or they can pick Donald Trump, who allegedly has committed crimes, but at least he remembers what he allegedly did. At least 100 million Americans are technically eligible to run for president. Yet America will be stuck picking between these two men again. Many people who dislike or distrust one of these candidates feel compelled to vote for the other, like it's the lesser of two evils. But as I've said many times, it's perfectly acceptable to be disgusted by both of them. In a nation with so much resolve, intelligence, ingenuity, productivity, and determination, how can it be that one of these two men is destined to be the leader? Those are my thoughts on the Department of Justice report on Joe Biden. Please put any opinions and thoughts in the comment section. They always generate an interesting dialogue. As always, I hope you found my analysis of this topic to be informative. That, yeah, yeah, the main that thing was... I just wanted to communicate was that, is this true? They're saying that he can't be prosecuted because he's not cognitively up to it? How can that even yeah, be I'll, happening? I'll refer you to my um, earlier point that they put a geriatric unit in Guantanamo. Yeah. Like that's a lot. This is my personal opinion is that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of representatives, um, deep staters that have committed massive war crimes. And I think, and I hope (laughs) that these, Crimes are being, um, uh, you know, the, the sentences are being carried out. The trials are being carried out. I think they are. But that's the thing about military tribunals is that they're usually held in private until many, many years later. Um, 
So if we're talking about the government, do I have faith in the government? No. Do I think there is a plan that, that's in motion? I, I think so. Um, if this plan is actually carried out correctly, then what I was talking about earlier, that the majority will be in charge, it'll happen. It'll be forced to happen. There, there's no other option. If the government, if the hero figure, if the one that it, you know, if the, the system that is supposed to, um, you know, be in charge and let the average person just go back to work and not have to think about these things, these kind of things. If the complacency, you know, is, is finally shattered and people start waking up to this, how long until it goes back to, you know, to status quo? Like we have to have a guard. We have to have people that are there um, that are not part of this, um, evil um, in charge or, or we just have to have everybody in charge and, and you know it, I'll wrap this up but if there's two roads and, and one leads to fixing the system that we have now and one leads to everybody is in charge of themselves I'm going to have to rely on the goodness of people and, and, and support everybody is responsible for themselves over the government because it can't be fixed at this point. It's no, it can Mm -hmm. be fixed. It'll be harder. I think fixing the government is harder to fix than doing it ourselves. If that makes sense. I agree. I love it. We're only in charge of ourselves. Yes. And it's also kind of like that hundredth monkey theory or whatever where one monkey separated on an island learns to wash his food in the water and then the other monkeys start doing it like when we do something when we embody a new activity it does affect the collective mind and it empowers everyone we have to plus our food system is so corrupt they're trying to kill us with a variety of means, including all sorts of additives, preservatives, pesticides. We have to protect ourselves by eating pure as pure as we can. Not to mention the mRNA vaccines being put in animals now and no transparency. And in salads. Oh, yeah, that's right. Appeal. That's still happening. That's it. Yeah. So how do we fix it? Go ahead. Do you remember the whole PR thing about fat-free and how awesome fat-free and how healthy this fat-free stuff is for you? And it turns out they loaded it up with sodium and sugar, and now more people are unhealthy than ever before. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. By design. Yeah. It's almost like – they want you to be sick, so you have to run to the doctor, who's also not as interested in your health as he is getting paid. And if you stay sick, now you're dependent on, i got to run to the next pill, my blood pressure, this and that, this and that. Oh, I stopped taking this one. Now i got to run and get that one. And why do I have stomach problems now? I'm only on 50 pills. 
Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Not to mention the gender reassignment surgeries that are making lifelong medical patients. I will never understand that at all. Like, well, it's part of the de- really necessary. Is it necessary to expose someone in kindergarten that crap? Really? Yes. Depopulation. That's, that's when you can mold their mind. What happens the to world's overpopulated, right? Satire. You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, did the government change the diapers and hold the baby when it had colic? Did the government bond with this child? Who's really the yeah. authority? Yeah, the no, government wants that colicky baby to die. Say that again? The government wants the baby yeah, to well, die? Well, in, in Bobby's, uh, in Bobby's um, uh, explanation there, that did the government hold the colicky baby, change the diaper? No, no. The government makes it very clear that they wanted that baby to die, right? They wanted, you know, a depopulation agenda and anything other than that. Um, obviously they don't care about, but they are, are pushing it by any means necessary, this depopulation agenda, what, you know, whether it is, oh, you can't afford a baby, so abort it, or that baby mm-hmm. was born, that baby needs to cut off its genitalia, Ugh. you know. I'm almost wondering if it's more about slavery than it is. I mean, it's hard to profit it's from a course. always about slavery right if you can't even think if you think you're free you're already a slave you're hopelessly enslaved if you already think you're free i I, Mm -hmm. I don't know like if you kill somebody i mean that's it they can't they can't stock your shelves they can't manicure your lawn they can't clean your toilets they gotta have some cognitive if i kill everybody then i have to clean my own toilet can't have that you know bobby if you just have a limited number of slaves just enough slaves to clean your toilet. Oh, the obedient ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want the riffraff hanging around. You don't want them getting or too many ideas. Or what if you could make a machine that'll clean your toilet? That's even better. There you right? go. Maybe right. that's part of what the depopulation is about, letting the machines have a turn. Then they have to the start toilet. thinking, well, wait a second. If people don't have to do that manual labor anymore and they're quality of life goes up, they might start thinking for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The uh-huh. I made a whole YouTube yeah. video about that. <laughs> or if they're not eating a bunch of pesticides, they might start thinking clearly. But then again, feel free to agree. You remember correct. that Hollywood strike over AI? Yes. Well, mm-hmm. perhaps yes. if those writers formerly didn't produce crap, it wouldn't matter if an AI produces a better story than a story group. I mean, it's it's kind of like people like me are just working to survive and take care of their loved ones. You're, you're watching these people complain that AI is writing our stories, and you're thinking, half the time when I watch an AI write a story, it's better. Oh, come on. I mean, like, <laughs> like take I don't the know Star Wars sequel trilogies, for example. Like, you watch Luke in 1977. He's willing to help Princess Leia no matter what. we got to help her. They're going to execute her. Well, we got to help her no matter what. Just jump in there and help people, and then you watch The Last Jedi. Didn't they kill her whole planet? Yeah, but you watch The Last Jedi, yeah, and it's but... like, 
get away from me. I don't want to help you. I don't want to do Who is this guy? Somebody wrote that, and it, and it passed, like, through all your story groups? And then you wonder why people are willing to accept AI writing things? At least the computer knows Luke would never do that. Well, it's that they have, they have some really bad scripts in Hollywood. Actors have to be so good to make them sound believable half the time. And it we can be really bad. Left. I can't even, like, okay, we, we can do another hour segment on just that, just this topic alone. We, there's no way I've got the time to address this, this question right. correctly in the four minutes that we have left. Danielle, can you please just tell us why they're trying to depopulate us in four minutes? Just sum it all up. <laughs> why are and, why is AI, and why is AI bad? <laughs> yeah, I love AI. It's, right, it's almost like please. everything is a tool. The intention of exactly. how it's going to be used, that's different. Exactly, yeah. A hammer can build Everything a house and a hammer tool. can crack a head. Just like the isms, they're all tools. It's the people. What are your, what's the intention behind them? That's what's important. Exactly right. Yeah, we can I have can to tell you guys that. something. Can Go I ahead. tell you something super lightning fast? I just have to tell you, I got this letter from Amazon asking me to give a five-star review of this thing I returned and that they were going to pay me $30 in credit to do this. So if you ever wonder if Amazon reviews are real, just keep this in mind. I ordered this special neck pillow that heats up, and it was so uncomfortable. It gave me such a bad headache. It was so large, not the right size for a neck, at least not my neck. And so they're going to give me $30 to give it a five-star review. I just had to say that. People oh my God! Know. What's your price? Yeah, right. <laughs> you need any more than thirty bucks? No. <laughs> I mean that's better than a donut. You know, some people took a vaccine for a donut. You know. Oh, yeah, myocarditis for a donut—that's a good trade. Come on, All right? So thirty dollars for a good review? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like you're on the next tier. You know, you half the people, people heard the word donut and they're running to get one now. You know that, right? And they heard nothing after the word donut. Right, exactly. Perhaps, perhaps. That was my, oh, yeah. And the other thing was that I had misplaced my phone this week for three days, and I felt like I was going to go crazy. It was so hard to figure anything out that was happening. Everything's in my phone. Talk about AI. Talk about Uh, transhumanism. Yeah, right? we got to liberate ourselves from our phone. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you do it a little fast. A phone fast. Well, I did. <laughs> I did. My phone's an old flip. It's just like I got it so I wouldn't accidentally butt dial people, and I still butt dial people. It's amazing. I don't even know how that's possible. But I walk everywhere. So the thinking was if I get hit by a car, I don't have to crawl home. I could call 911 or something. But I still butt dial people with it. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, we're at the end of the show, guys. Thank you so much, Bobby. Come back anytime. Um, it was a fantastic that. show. Um, please share this if you can. It's available the next day on iHeartRadio under Freedomizer Radio, Seeds of Change. Uh, we love you all, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Good. Love you all.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.